Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hoaxbusters call. Join the discussion by dialing 724 Call ID 90337. Hey. Ron. Hey, it's November 27th, 2017. What's going on? How you doing? Chris here, and this is Hoaxbusters Call. That's correct. All right. Got to look in the chat right now. Got to navigate over. Uh, read out the bro call. Uh, Phil 8, Alex Jones Show, Buck Cherry, Double 963, Lita, Brigante, K. Mod, Mahat, Map Sheik. Psy Girl, Way 57, and, and Dr. Fuster Clock. Good deal. Excellent. Yeah, there looks like there are a few new people up in here, unless they change names. Uh, welcome. If you haven't listened before, then maybe this is a bit different for you. Maybe you've heard this all before. I don't know. But uh, anyway, I think it's uh, different from your kind of typical kind of discussions that are normally engaged in out there on these different uh, podcasts. There's like, uh, I think it, as of today, I think last time I checked, there's 17.5 billion podcasts right now on the internet. No, I'm, I'm that's exaggerating, but there's a lot. And people say, oh, what? Uh, it's uh, the market is uh, saturated. Well, yeah, whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's not that many. There's uh, quite a few. But anyway, I hope you have what, that. You now that you have t- tuned in, that you'll get something out of it, and there'll be something of value with these discussions. Or basically, discussions, phone calls. I just kind of yammer for a bit, and then I take callers and we discuss things related to uh well like society and culture and social commentary analytics and from the perspective that uh things aren't what we're told like taking things on face value and kind of is not the approach that we take here it's kind of like uh questioning things and examine them from from a certain idea that maybe uh, there is, I mean, what would you say, like uh, social engineering going on and management and control of people, things that appear upon the scene 
may appear to come from the bottom up, but they meaning that for some reason everybody kind of gets on the same wagon at the same time and then we just roll forward and culture kind of develops that way organically and naturally and then things start to trend and next thing you know everybody's wearing flannel shirts and uh i myself i'm wearing a flannel shirt right now i've been wearing flannel shirts probably since the 90s i kind of just wear flannel shirts but then my i think my grandmother said yeah, if you leave something in the closet long enough that it will come back around and you pull it back out and it's in style again. But I never was really concerned with what was in style. But anyway, not that uh, flannel shirts are in particularly important, but I think that they're an example of something that is uh, just a part of culture, things appearing on the scene and why and is there other is there anything else to it? Is there people somewhere orchestrating this? A conspiracy? Well, what is a conspiracy? I don't that's another question altogether. Because that's a cause for dismissal of a lot of discussions if you bring that into it. Conspiracy theory. That's conspiracy theory. Oh that that means it's not true. It's a it's a baseless speculation. It's uh what is it Cass Sunstein says it's a it's a it's a toxic epistemology. It's not it's like and then he goes on to discuss how you know his little social engineering tricks in his book Nudge. Oh, these are just this is how it is. It's, it's like we'll, we'll paint a, a housefly in in a urinal and instead of pissing on the floor, the men will try to piss on the housefly. That that's that's our little, as you see, you know, that's, it's, it's really kind of a little mundane things like that. Nothing really, but, but see, he's letting you in on a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. Well, kind of what really is your rule, ruling structure, your ruling elite, your elite technocrat classes or whatever you want to call them, whoever rules the world. I don't know exactly, but, uh, there's all this circumstantial evidence that that when you when it really comes down to it, nothing in our the media drome or media sphere or whatever this thing we live in and it, and it incorporates the university system and incorporates your uh, television shows and your popular films and your books and magazines and everything that it's fake, all of it's fake, pretty much. For the most part, fake, giving you a completely skewed reality that is served up to you for the sole purposes of uh, corralling you in a certain direction, to put you in certain pre-prepared uh, little pins or paddocks or in the human ranch that we live in. I guess that's a kind of a good good a summation as I could come up with. Uh, but uh, with that said, so yeah, you're just a conspiracy theorist, ain't you, Chris? I know about you types. You're just a wacko. You got a tinfoil hat. 
and uh, that's to keep out the signals from the uh, space brothers that are trying to control your mind that work with the Area 51 agents and da, 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 all this other stuff that gets it, it's you know saddled. You're saddled with that. These ideas, any and everything, your flat Earth or your um, well, that's not what we're going to go into anyway. So there's a discussion on Joe Rogan podcast with this Dan Carlin. He has the popular hardcore history is the name of this podcast. And they were having a discussion. It was pretty interesting. Um, brought up a couple things I wasn't quite aware of. Uh, there was a part of that discussion that I clipped out. I put it up on the hoaxbusterscall.com blog. And there's an audio file there. You just check it out and listen to it. Let me play it. And then I'll just go into that. And then that will kind of just another example of what we generally kind of discuss here. And this is concept of, uh, I guess you call it weaponized culture. And what is weaponized culture? Well, let me play this and, uh, let me find it. Okay. All right, here it is. Um, And then I'm going to have to turn this on. Please bear with me here, folks. I, uh, I don't have my audio turned on. There it is. I turn that on. All right, all right. All right, let me quit picking the dog, and I'll play this. And, again, all I tell people, and people get offended, Joe. I've never understood. People get offended where I say, just put yourself in the other guy's moccasins for a minute, yeah. right? If you say, because what people say to me is, I had some guy get screaming mad at me saying, basically, he, he followed the dominoes and saying, are you saying we deserved 9-11? And I said, if that's really where you took that, if that's where your argument goes, I said, then you totally misunderstood me. I'm saying – No one's saying deserved, but saying that no, this is probably what caused it. I, I, listen, why are we a target? It's not, it's not wrong. As a matter of fact, I would suggest it is the only – like freedom? What does that even mean? <laughs> and, and I would suggest this. While there are some people who say, listen, look at the way you have women on billboards scantily clad. Yes, mm. there are people that hate that and that they don't want that either. At the same time – in a lot of these countries, you were talking about Iran earlier. Let's talk about Iran. Iran's got two separate things going. They've got the countryside and they've got the cities. And they've got a ton of the population that's under 30. And in the cities, they'd love to dance. And they love, you know, the Iranians are not like the, you know, you said they all seem like Muslims to us, but they're all very different from each other. And, and the Arabians, for example, are known to be kind of Spartan and Stoic, whereas the, the Persians, as they used to be called, are a fun-loving, food-loving, dance-loving. I mean, in a, and they're very capitalistic. So in a funny way, there's an, and that's why we were so close to them for so long. There's a natural affinity mm. between us. And I always say, 
it would be pretty darn easy if we treated them right. The same way my stepdad said, you know, you can destroy the, the Soviet Union by dumping Elvis records, porn, and blue jeans on them, which kind of is what happened. There's a way, I think, to approach this Muslim world thing, and let's not pretend it won't be totally destabilizing, because if you drop porn, blue jeans, and Elvis on those countries now, you're going to have a counter-reaction with all these clerics and whatever that are freaking out. But at the end of the game, you won't end up looking like the bad guy. If you're bombing them, it's, it is so hard to look like the good guy when you're bombing people. You know? And so if you could say to me, listen, Dad, these are killers who want to hurt us, and we've got to take them out. I totally get that. But then I would say to you, you have to take them out in a way that doesn't screw up you know, the, the main mission, which is let's stop people from wanting to kill us. Yeah, let's stop people from wanting to kill us. Well, I'm going to read this instead of a quote tonight. This is, this is the quote. It's just a passage out of... Uh, the Grand Chessboard from Zbigniew Brzezinski so it says, cultural domination has been an underappreciated facet of American global power. Whatever one may think of its aesthetic values, American mass culture exercises a magnetic appeal, especially on the world youth. Its attraction may be derived from the hedonistic quality of the lifestyle it projects, but its global appeal is undeniable. American television programs and films account for about three-fourths of the global market. American popular music is equally dominant, while American fads, eating habits, and even clothing are increasingly imitated worldwide. The language of the Internet is English, and an overwhelming proportion of the global computer chatter also originates from America, influencing the content of global conversation. Lastly, America has become a mecca for those seeking advanced education with approximately a half a million foreign students flocking to the United States with many of the ablest never returning home. Graduates from America and universities are to be found in almost every cabinet on every continent. So that is what uh, we talk about a lot is that it's your this thing called culture. It's, it's your lifestyle, your mo- lifestyle choices, your modes of living and, and, and that type of thing and all the accompanying uh, reinforcements of that in your, what I referenced earlier, your television shows, so on and so forth. Except Brzezinski here is saying it's underappreciated. Well, and that's it. that's the uh, illustrative there in that uh, clip I just played. Now, this Dan Carlin individual is regarded as you know very knowledgeable on history, and I'm sure he is. And I'm and I've listened to his program, and it's, uh, it's somewhat interesting. It's not really my bag. I, I I'm kind of uh, really skeptical of a lot of uh, so-called history. I, I'm sure that what a lot of he says is referencing something that actually probably occurred, but then, you know, that the whole thing is kind of positioned in a particular way. Now, if you kind of listen carefully to what he says, I think he represents pretty closely kind of the uh, mainstream sort of consensus in a way where it's, it's, on the issue of Muslim terror and all that. And then he kind of throws this 
in there as sort of like a hit and run kind of, well, this is an anecdote I have from, what did he say? His grandfather said, yeah, you should, you know, if we drop blue jeans and Elvis records on the Russians, we, and then, you know, so he's positioning this statement in the context of, well, you know, this came out of my grandfather's mouth. Of course, he's not a historical expert. He was just saying like a what if, and I'm saying like, well, you know, this is maybe something we should do or maybe focus on more, you know, because the strategy is to take them down. Take, okay, wait a minute, take them down with culture? That's what he said. And it's sort of like, like I said, it's like a hit and run. It's like a, and then, then his kind of, from what I gather, like I said, I haven't listened to that often, but I, I, I kind of make these uh, all assessments kind of based on what I've heard and what generally is out there is that uh, it, the focus is on, on kind of like taking things at face value, like as far as like the reasons for war. Oh, Hitler was going to get us all and kill us, and that's why we had to enter World War II, blah, 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 and then go off into all the interesting asides that kind of uh, – swirl around that so-called event of World War II. Well, anyway, I'm not saying World War II didn't happen. I'm just saying that the reasons are probably very misrepresented as far as that goes. But, uh, yeah, so underappreciated is the watchword here, and Brzezinski says it's underappreciated, and it's probably underappreciated for good reason because if you stop and pause for a minute on – Dan Carlin's statement there, you're like, you'll have to say, hey, wait a minute. What do you mean take them down? Yeah, just undermine their whole culture, their whole society. Now, this is something else, too. It's like this is this is separate or apart from what your assessment is of what radical Muslims are, you know. So we got this perception in our mind that these sort of backwards, uh, ultra-religious, uh, zealot, that live kind of on the fringes of society out in the deserts and all that. They want to kill us. They want to take our freedoms and kill us. They don't like our scantily clad women on billboards. And so he's framing it from this position. And this is, this is something that's, you know, in in the recent decades has been set up through the false, uh, media presentations and the and the big fake shit show 9-11 it's absolutely absurd from any objective standard and but then with the idea in mind that oh muslims did it and they hate our freedom or whatever however you want to put it like you were saying whatever what, what does that mean well i think people in general kind of have a certain idea what that means it's like but what i'm trying to get at here is that it's this false dichotomy. It's like you either accept the objectification of naked women on billboards and the and the over sexualization of everything and commodification of everything and up up to and including children. What is it? Uh, somebody was talking about that in Vogue magazine. They're sexual. They're just blatantly, openly sexualizing like young prepubescent girls. And if you're against that, then you are kind of must be of the you're either for it and accepting of all this you know our our current trash garbage culture or you or you are uh probably of the mindset that you want to fly planes in the buildings 
you see what I'm saying? And this is how it's this this idea is constantly reinforced. But the pointing out again, he said that's how you take that's how they eventually took the Russians down, and that's how we should take them down. Essentially, is to bombard them with our culture. Very very interesting. And I've talked about this before with this immigration issue, and uh, I I don't think that this is well again it's underappreciated like Brzezinski said. So I've pointed this out before. So yeah, you can import all these people from across these different, uh, like war tour regions, these refugees, all these different people that are flooding into Europe. Now they're coming into the United States. Are they going to implement Sharia law? Like they're saying and all this stuff. And that's what's going to happen. And we're going to turn into, uh, you know, next thing, you know, People are going through the drive-thru at McDonald's on a camel, and we're sitting there, no. They're going to assimilate to the culture. They're going to get not, maybe not first generation. You see this, too, with the Hispanics they, that, that immigrate into the United States. They have this sort of very tight family bonds. They work together as families. You see a lot of, like, you know, like when I lived in Wichita Falls or are more Hispanics there that are more established than there is here where I currently live. And they would be business owners. And it is like they have their extended families and they're all helping each other out. And they have this strong family cohesion. Their grand, their children are in their the, you know, second, next generation, you know, they help out. And then it's like the third, by the third generation, their, their kids are going, okay, so we're sending them off to school. They're off in the pop culture. They're off in the thing. And then they're limiting their families. They're focused on careers and work and making money off on their own little tangents and stuff like that. And then the, their families sort of uh, atomize and break apart. That's what, that's, that's what the culture that we currently live in does. It atomizes people, it, meaning it breaks down families and family cohesion and bonds and that happens like very rapidly within like the you know the 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 generation born into the culture will adopt those kind of modes and they won't stay with the family and help with the business or they they're they're always prodded and enticed by the media and the culture to go off in their kind of own direction to kind of you know you formulate this ego persona that you're always encouraged to do, and then you have to go prop it up and, and go through your life trying to, quote, unquote, find yourself or whatever it is, but you, this is something that's is the theme in movies. Uh, also, Joe Rogan and Dan Carlin, I've, I've, I noticed, too, they spend a lot of time um, sort of like a, and I think this is something that's starting to sort of be phased out, but it's still very prominent in a lot of podcasts and stuff like this. It's like the um, Norman Vincent Peale sort of um, talking about, you know, self-improvement, self-betterment and how like, you know, you can start your own side business. We got these wonderful tools. And then he throws in a pitch for squarespace.com. You can set up an ad, you can set up your own website easy and sell stuff online. And it's like, yeah, and I'm listening to all this, and I'm thinking, yeah, sure you can. Like, uh, and I, you know, recollect back, you know, I was working two jobs or whatever. I kind of ended up kind of falling into like a career decision that wasn't too bad, and I was, you know, pretty. 
I mean, as far as working goes, I mean, job ain't nothing but work, but anyway, it was okay. But then, you know, but thinking what he's talking about in terms of like, oh, let's say I was going to go to my regular slave job, eight hours a day, sometimes 10 hours a day, uh, a lot, you know, different jobs. I've had, I've had several different jobs and you, you, you a lot of times work extended hours or whatever. You get home and then you can only, all the only thing you want to do is relax, maybe uh, imbibe in some, uh, you know, entertainment. And then you got to kind of get ready. If you pack a lunch or whatever, you got to get that ready. You got to fix, get dinner going. You got to eat and chill and, and you don't have time to start a business, man. You probably, you probably could, but you have to be super determined and you have to really um, just spend every waking minute trying to figure out how you're going to get this cottage business off the ground, little cottage business thing venture off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It's just Norman Vincent Peale though. But if you, Maybe get into some yoga and some breathing techniques and kind of like deal with the stress. And then, oh, yeah. So what are you going to the average person do? I'm telling you, it's like this is not the system is not set up like they were talking about, even though it is true to an extent. But it's not set up and to accommodate anything like that. It's it's it for a lot of people. It's unrealistic. It's not practical. Shut up with the Norman Vincent Peale horse shit. But it's not, I'm not saying it's bad to encourage people to maybe try to do, that's not the point. It's just it's the idea. That's, that era is over pr- pretty much. Now, what we're going through now, and I, and I believe this is something that's, um, it, it, it incorporates a lot of stuff we're seeing now with what's kind of recent developments and this stuff. It, it, and it all kind of, all this stuff kind of works together. And I'm trying to kind of think things through and, uh, figure out, it's like, well, what is, why are we seeing certain things appear on the scene in conjunction and in coordination with other things and how do they kind of work and influence each other? Well, one thing I pointed out before is how, okay, so you have this, what's known as identity politics is sort of this, uh, cultural Marxist postmodernist philosophy of the idea. And I think, um, uh, uh Jordan Peterson professor, encapsulated pretty well summarized it in a where he's talking about it in terms of like this identity politics because there's no kind of objective truth you don't want to go and spend a lot of time like trying to uh, hash things out with a logical rational discussion that's because everything is about identity politics now and what it what it comes down to is who can yell the loudest and who can form the biggest groups to overtake the other groups essentially what it comes down to. So you kind of fall into a clique and then you kind of uh, work on building your numbers and, 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 and doing your activism and stuff. And it's none of it's based on any kind of real solid. It's, it's just this um, me us against them mentality of uh, we need to uh, assert ourselves in this, you know, power play. This is this eternal revolution power play type, situation and you'll hear it in the language that's being thrown around as you know like oh so they're they position themselves now as like oh see women and blacks and people of minority classes have been oppressed for so long now it's whitey's turn to get his ass kicked 
And uh, if you don't like it, it's like, wait a minute. Have you noticed who's actually running shit? Do you see any? Oh, the prince married a black woman, Prince Harry. Oh, right. So now it's multi. Now black. Now the black uh, black people and everything run. But okay, so maybe they're figureheads or whatever. But does that mean anything? No, it's it's generally uh, pale face at the top. So what do you, what the fuck are you talking about? But anyway, um, yeah, Whitey's going to get his turn. It's like they, they don't have any self-reflection to step out of their own nonsensical reality that's been recently constructed. Not recently, really. It's kind of an ongoing thing that's been underway for a while. But now it's kind of reaching a crescendo, obviously. But um, so you got Trump elected. You got the, the reaction to that, and that really kind of catapulted things to the forefront, kind of escalated things, heightened the hysterics around it. And it's this reactive thing, and it's like, yeah, I should have saw that one coming. But uh, anyway, that's what's on the scene right now. And all of these things, these developments that you'll think are unrelated, I, I believe that they're related. But how do they mesh together? How do they line up? Because we talked about before how, okay, you had the reaction to the Vietnam War, and then the destruction of the family was underway so that's like sex drugs and rock and roll you kind of shirk those kind of responsibilities you don't want to be a square and be a uh you know have a have a home and stuff. and then you know you get the women out in the workforce and gloria steinem working for the cia uh pimping all that stuff and and then it resulted in the you know eventual gradual uh, breakdown of family cohesion to like kind of up to the point where we got today where it's like Oh, what's the divorce rate? It's pretty high, but anyway, you get the point. But at the same time, technology, this is an interesting thing, is coming up with um, convenience gadgetry of all sorts and shapes and TV dinners and stuff like that to to facilitate getting the woman out of the house. Like, who's, damn, woman who's going to cook? Oh, you don't have to worry about that. We got TV dinner. You get home, you can put one of them. The turkeys is pretty good, and it's got cranberry sauce. And it's like, yeah, damn, okay. Yeah, I guess they're not half. Swanson, they're not half bad. You get the Hungry Man dinners, because the mother one's kind of rinky-dink. I guess I'm going to live with that. Yeah, you know, I guess you, know, you need to go work at the uh, five and dime store of the bank and shuffle paper around, sweetie, to feel fulfilled. I guess that's all right. Yeah, I need to be a liberated woman. And then she goes down there and works every day and gets, and, and the boss grabs her ass and stuff, and they end up having an affair and all that. It's like, yeah, it's wonderful, liberated now. Liberated. But, you know, it's like, oh, you blaming women, Chris? It's like, no, that the nuclear family's a sham, too. Leave it to Beaver was a, a uh, aberration. It was like, a, that, that wasn't a representation of the family. That was the nuclear family, which excluded the extended family. So you didn't see uncle, you didn't see grandma around, you didn't see mother-in-law follow around. It's just the nuclear family. Well, that's a that's a partial family. But see, we're, that's what I'm talking about, a progression to where we're going now. And the coordination of all these different things kind of coming coming on the scene that seemed to be just sort of uh, the the bumbling and stumbling through history unfolding and all that just Coincidentally, and happenstancely, having 
technology appear on the scene at the same time to facilitate getting women out of the house. And then the the rapid expansion and popularity of fast food where you can go through drive through windows started appearing. And then some may ca- make the case that, oh, that's just in response to demand. Well, no, we've talked about that before, how they they already were talking about uh, restructuring the way you know, suburbs are built and all that stuff. And, and then the on the the development of a you know single uh unit dwellings and all that and swinging singles and all that stuff and the military was promoting all that so no it's not accidental it's coordinated at the same time showing you uh the the films and stuff that reinforce that at the same time see now what now what are we seeing now we're seeing that a lot of uh coordination with the uh oh this identity politics thing so you had all this stuff in the hopper ready to be uh, rolled out you know netflix showtime they got series and it's like wow they're kind of on a theme ain't they this identity politics and all this stuff and it's like in response to trump but hey wait a minute doesn't it take maybe a year or two to to tape all those scenes and acting and go shoot on location, all that. And then previous to that, there's a script and there's a process to approve scripts and do all that. And it takes probably years, maybe a couple of years at least, but they drop them on us after Trump is president. And then they're all very culturally relevant because Trump is president, just coincidentally and happenstancedly. Uh, no, I don't think so. But Dan Carlin is not going to talk about that. Not many people are going to talk about that. So we got, what is it, a podcast that deal with it. We've got Jay Dyer that deals with it. We've got uh, what Jan Irving deals with this. Uh, myself, John, we deal with this. And, um, you know, to one extent or the other, I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. We've got, you know, fakeologists going into uh, this type of thing. The, the fraudulent culture and how it's, a lot of the stuff you'll see out there that we're supposed to take on face value is is a little more to it. And this also includes science and uh, all of that. So with all this said, I was thinking I'll throw out a prediction here. And then um, as far as Joe Rogan goes, him being one of the top podcasts, and having probably a lot, I mean, I would say considerable amount of influence, uh, cultural influence, because the media and stuff is in a state of transition and things are kind of going over to podcasts, stuff like that. YouTube is like one of big dominant sort of force in the media right now. Uh, I predict that he's going to probably go vegan at some point, not too far in the future. Uh, they're already this vegan movement thing is really starting to get a lot of traction and it's, you know, uh, happenstancedly coordinated with the, the, the wants and desires of agenda 21 and the wants and desires of Bill Gates and Richard Branson and the super rich. They're just somehow all of a sudden all concerned about getting you clean meat and getting you on off all the meat. And it's like, okay, aren't these the wealthy, kind of upper uh, elite classes and then they, they that's what they want to busy themselves doing is getting everybody off meat 
Are they going to quit eating meat? Probably not. They're not going to quit flying around their jets either and 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 uh, dumping all the carbon out of the jets. They don't do none of that. They don't lead by example for sure. But uh, oh, they love us and they want us all to be healthy. Like you got to be kidding me. And I, and then people are advocating veganism will point that out. Like oh, isn't that great, Richard Branson? Put money into clean meat, and I'm going to get I want to eat it. When, uh, wait a minute. I thought you were vegan. It's made out of animal cells. You, you spent a considerable amount of time uh, preaching, sermonizing about meat is bad for your health, but lab-concocted meat is fine. Just, that's postmodernism. You can be just directly contradictory, and it doesn't matter. Uh, the guy that came out, this UFC fighter, I'm vegan and you need to go vegan and plant-based and I'm kicking everybody's ass in the UFC and badass vegan uh, champion warrior. And uh, so I saw that on a video, the vegan video, and, his, and people were saying, he's not vegan, he eats fish. Here's a video of him scarfing down fish. And then, like, uh, the guy admitted, yeah, I eat fish. And it's like, and then other people are saying, I'm glad he went vegan. It's like, he's not vegan. But see, it doesn't matter. It's postmodern. You can probably eat fish and be vegan. It's like, um, well, some people are upset about it. They're purists, you know. It's like, yeah, you only want to go plant-based. And then it's like, well, do you think maybe that he's promoting it for this developing burgeoning uh supplement market that's you know quote unquote plant based or whatever and then i was gonna post that in the comments and i got to thinking oh let me find a link real quick i'm sure there is and i put his name in and i put supplements and then his twitter or instagram or whatever came up and then it was like um here's what i for my plant-based high-powered performance lifestyle and it's like uh some brand of health food and it's got power it's plant powder based protein and he's pimping it it's like yeah well okay so yeah profit motive there at least so that you know so now you're seeing this so these athletes and people are paid to say they're vegan even though they're demonstrably are not it's like why why would you advocate going vegan if you weren't like you're an athlete or, you know, a UFC fighter. And why would you say I'm vegan? It doesn't make any sense. Unless you're getting paid, then it makes total sense. But if you're not getting paid, why would you, and I eat fish. Let's say I eat a lot of plant stuff and I eat, and why would I want to come out and say I'm vegan and lie about it? And, and that's, that's would be stupid. What would be the point? Oh, I would really want to. Pro- I think vegans, like people who want to promote it, are really into it and are really trying to do it. You know, and their you know teeth are falling out or whatever, but they'll stick with it until their fucking hair and teeth fall out. But th- th- he's eating fish. But anyway, it doesn't matter because it's postmodern, like I said. So Joe Rogan can totally go vegan and and still eat meat, still be vegan, but he just won't talk about eating meat anymore. So I predict that he's going to go vegan. And why? Because he's been a kind of vocal advocate for hunting. That's a no-no. And he's been a vocal advocate for meat. And that's a no-no. And then he'll have his, you know, road to Damascus moment where he announces, hey, you know, I've been thinking about it. I've been talking about these. I've been talking to these uh, 
shit hot UFC fighters and they're just so powerfully plant based and I don't know. I could just see that coming. I just uh so I, I just make a prediction right here that that's that'll that eventuality will be realized at some point and probably not in the far future. Uh so there I'll just throw it out there. I could be wrong, but looking at how this stuff works. So if you got a cultural influence, they're going to shill for, and then, you know, he's already kind of into the supplement business and then he'll start pimping plant-based uh, nutrient supplements and all that. And, and then he'll get people on occasionally to talk about how it's, that's the way to go. It's the latest, greatest thing. Everybody's figuring out. They're having incredible benefits in their health. Which I'm sure they do. I mean, I'm sure people that switch over from eating processed crap, pizzas and Taco Bell and all that shit, and they start eating uh, vegan and stuff like that, which, you know, would kind of be more concentrated on vegetable stuff. I'm sure they feel great. Initially, yeah, everybody says that. You know, it's like, yeah, initially, you know, you, you, but long term, has there been long term studies? It's like everybody I've ever spoken to that's done, tried that and stayed on, stuck with it for a while, uh, they had bad consequences like it you know it caught up catches up to you you're you know john adams he, he told me that his gums started bleeding john irving went on it for a while said it just about took him out um real quick i'm gonna take collars here and i'm gonna go into this article i brought this up before most ancient romans ate like animals uh this is from life science i don't know about the validity of this outfit or whatever but it's interesting uh the mandible of a 30-something man buried in rome's uh castillo impericano cocchio cemetery in the imperial period shows signs of cavities and abscesses the bones revealed a high proportion of millet in the man's diet and then it shows a jawbone and it looks like it's pretty ate up by something uh it's, uh, it's supposed to be old uh, whatever but uh ancient romans are known for eating well with mosaics from the empire portraying sumptuous displays of fruits vegetables and cakes and of course wine but of the 98 percent of romans who were non-elite and whose feasts weren't preserved in art may have stuck <laughs> may have been stuck eating bird seed uh, common people in ancient Rome ate millet, a grain looked down upon by the wealthy as fit only for livestock. According to a new study published in the March issue of the Journal of Anthropological Archaeology, excuse me, and consumption of millet may have linked to overall social status, with relatively poorer suburbanites eating more of grain than the, than the wealthier city dwellers. As a result, from the analysis of anonymous skeletons in the city cemeteries, so they found a lot of skeletons around there, and they did an analysis of the bones. Uh, very poor bone health. Uh, we don't know anything about their lives, which is why we try to use biochemical analysis to study them. The study leader, Christina Kilgrove, uh, anthropologist at the University of West Florida, ancient Mediterranean diet. See, now then it goes into the standard Mediterranean diet and the and this was enjoyed, like it said, mostly by the wealthy, but they ate shellfish, snails, just kind of a variety of different kind of animal meats and uh, not a lot of bird seed. I'm talking about the wealthy and the elite classes. Um, so there you go. And then the people who ate the bird seed, 
which they tell us to do in the form of whole grains. Eat your whole grains, slave. Uh, their bones are all pitted and jacked up. But, yeah, go vegan, everybody, because it's the latest, greatest trendy thing. Uh, culture creation. Culture creation. So, uh, weaponized culture now bringing in to vogue and popularity veganism. So that's another, we're witnessing it and we're seeing it develop and uh, that'll be to take our weaponized culture and to sort of really ratchet it up to where to be hip and to be cool and to be in with the program, you're vegan and you're culturally sensitive and you don't want to hurt animals and you're ethical and you're moral. It's the new Puritans. It's very bizarre. So they're the preaching to everybody, preachers, sermonizers, teaching you what the new morality is. And then you need to be very tolerant of trans people. And then you need to go vegan because you need to be very sensitive toward animals. That's the new morality. Hey, wait, I thought everything evolved out of nothing for no reason. Where does the morality come from? That's postmodern. You don't need a reason. You just assert it. And then, like, you know, like I was talking about, Jordan Peter said, you just form groups and you start yelling it until you win through attrition. People just get so sick of it, hearing you preach. They say, fuck, I'll go vegan. All right, I'll try it. Hey, I feel pretty good. Initially, you will. And then it's like, see, I told you. I told you. You should have went vegan. You stay on it, and you're five, six, or whatever. Damn, I'm dragging ass. Oh, shit, what's wrong? Oh, well, you're not doing it right. You're not doing vegan right. And then you get on a supplement, and maybe it helps you feel better for a while. That's the story every time. It's anecdotal, but there's a lot more shit out there to back it up. So what's the what's the takeaway? I mean, for me, I'm not going to give diet advice because I don't know. But I but my strategy is to take what's being promoted. So they just uh, another thing too. The show Doctors is a popular show. Uh, recently had the the main guy that's kind of the the doctor, the handsome tall guy that's always you know telling you what's good to eat and what's not. He he put out a book and he's going plant based. He he's figured out that that's the that's the best way to go plant based. So Doctors is chilling for it now. Big surprise. That's what I'm saying. Joe Rogan will be on the wagon at some point. Uh, Everybody that's influential in the media sphere will be talking about it and maybe even going vegan. Not maybe not everybody, but it's just it's just what I'm seeing unfolding. So. Oh, man, I haven't even been looking at the chat. I've been distracted by this article. What the? Oh, my gosh. Got four caller enters. Uh, John Adams is hanging on the Skype in the Skype hopper. I'm going to think some individuals send donations. Who are they? Who are they? Let's see. 
Uh, Barry, thanks a lot, man. Generous donation. I really appreciate that, dude. Out there in Australia. Uh, Joe, I really appreciate your donation, man. And Steven, thank you very much, sir. Anthony, Anthony, I'm not going to read out last names because some people don't like to read out last names, so I'll say Anthony, thank you very much. Uh, Steven wanted to hear 9-11 Surfer. Uh, documentary promo. So I'll play the bumper and then I'll play that. And then we'll take caller enters. You are listening to the Hoax Pastors Call. To join in, call. 724-444-7444. Call ID 90-46. He was in the North Tower and says he rode down more than 15 stories of concrete and falling debris to make it out alive. It's the focus of a Discovery Channel special premiering tonight called The 9-11 Surfer. It was so witching, man. I'm believing it. Everybody's talking about it. Totally. And then just felt the railing just start to shake and this loud, loud noise from above. Dude, you get the best barrels ever, dude. Just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them. And you just drop in and just smack the lip. Pull back. Um, but I guess falling, jumping out of a plane, that feeling of just riding the, the air um, and getting knocked around and riding, you know, the, that surfing kind of feeling was what I was experiencing. Oh, Drop down, snap, and then after that, you just drop in, just ride the barrel and get pitted, so pitted. Like. We had no idea whether he was fire or civilian or what he, what he was. It really, I guess, really didn't matter. But the fact that we saw an individual up there after what we had climbed through in the position that he was, it was nothing short of miraculous. The name of the documentary is, is The 9-11 Surfer. Sounds like an odd word. Yes, very odd. Um... We have animation to show this harrowing ride that you had. You were on the 64th floor, you evacuated down to the 22nd, and then fell essentially to the 4th floor. The name of the documentary is, is The 9-11 Surfer. Sounds like an odd word. Yes, very odd. Um, I mean, I, I've heard about the urban legends. Um, I've always read, you know, read about it, and my wife was like, "That's you, that's you," you know. And uh, but you know, just like I told the guy on ABC, danger is my business. They did a study on it, and they said that basically how I survived was probably in this pocket of air or this uplift of uh, wind, or the way I described the fall. Oh, you said urban legend, which it's, it's true. A lot, some people are skeptical. 
And you said if you had heard this story, you might have been skeptical as well. Of course. Uh, so I, um, I couldn't even believe it myself at that point. Why don't you get a job, Mr. Coley? What for? You need money. <laughs> um, I mean, I had done certain small local things because uh, we started Song for Hope Foundation, tried to raise money for uh, the mothers that uh, didn't make it at the time, uh, whose husbands didn't make it at the time we were pregnant. Uh, all I need is some tasty waves, cool buzz, I'm fine. Louise, here you are at home. He had called you a couple of times. You saw that tower fall, and you knew he was inside. And I was praying at the time with hope. You know, it was just a feeling of just hopeless. Um, and I was praying at the time with hope. You know, to people out there, you hear it all the time, oh, get over it, 9-11, get over it. That's ridiculous. Um, first of all, you should be telling someone else to get over it. Um. That's pretty neat. Well, thank you so much for coming here and sharing your story and helping us remember thank you. today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, thanks for sharing your story. whoop That guy. What are you telling me, John, about that guy? Like, uh, He's kind of a well-known dude around <laughs> Yeah, that was a that was a legendary uh, that was a legendary passed around videotape clip back when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, so he's <laughs> yeah he's like inter, inter, interviewed in a news story on the beach that and he's uh, some big surf came in or something like that the news reported on it yeah he we we uh my surfer friends i wasn't a surfer but guys i was friends with who were surfers they used to just quote that whole interview to each other like on a daily basis or you'd walk up to your friend and go whoop <laughs> yeah that's a, a classic um, <laughs> so funny yeah I, I i don't know how anybody like if he's going to search for it find it uh like, so you got it. oh yeah put it i'll link it to me and i'll post it in the chat um so what is your com commentary man my commentary well the first thing i'll say And there's a second thing I'll say, but the first thing is from Extensions of Man by Marshall McLuhan. Once a new technology comes into a social milieu, it cannot cease to permeate that milieu until everything in the institution is saturated. Mm, yes. Mail you. I'll have to remember that word. I think that was a word I was kind of grappling for when I was talking about this stuff. The cultural yeah. mail you, cultural which is means the mail you is like kind of the trending thing, right? Sort of like mm -hmm. the something that kind of catches on and starts to 
kind of predominate and then it comes becomes something that's like taken as an you know identifier of a particular culture or it can be the whole multiple different things referred to in a culture that kind of describes it i guess that's the best way to define that word i could look of course it up. um one one i frequently reference uh, for years now, since we've been on the call, is Cultural Patterns and Technical Change, put out, put out by UNESCO and edited by Margaret Mead. And it says, an effective way to encourage the learning of new behaviors and attitudes is by consistent prompt attachment of some form to satisfaction. As such changes occur, there is more readiness to accept new facts, which are now identified with a situation in which satisfaction has been experienced. Beliefs, knowledge, faith, and opinion then change as people involved become freer to examine the new facts. The use of consistent approval or reward underlies the successful introduction of technical change uh, as it has as it gets worked into the culture. The process of acceptance of change is more rapid if simultaneously the old behaviors and attitudes provide less satisfaction or no satisfaction or meet with disapproval or other punishment from social groups. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll see that with these movements where Veganism is a good example where um, anybody that goes on the vegan wagon and then they go off plantation, like they say, oh, shit, my teeth was falling out, so I started eating meat again. They get they get pilloried and uh, ostracized and cast out as a heretic and very they're very intolerant of people who, uh, you know, decide that maybe that's not for them that diet's not for them so it's that's uh yeah that's that's referencing that too once you establish that and then of course certainly with the uh the sort of ethical ideals ideology attached to it and that it it becomes a very powerful motivator for people that's true that what was the true. name of that what you just read out of? Because I went to go write it down and I got sidetracked. Cultural Patterns and Technical Change. And Technical Change. Book by... Margaret Mead. Margaret Mead. I got a quote. No. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Love to hear it. In ancient Rome, there was a poem about a dog who had two bones. He picked the one, he licked the other, he went in circles, he dropped dead. (laughs) There it is. is. You know where that's from? Yes, I do. I just can't remember. I've heard it before. Oh, that's the uh, song lyrics, Freedom of Choice by Devo. Oh, yes, Freedom of Choice, Devo, yeah. I caught the tail end of that at the, uh, you were playing that at um, 
before the call. Yes, hold music. Now, what is free? You realize there is no freedom of choice. Like, um, freedom of choice has only something to do with one thing legally. Like, there's no, there's nothing in the Bill of Rights or the Constitution about freedom of choice. Um, no. Freedom of choice. The Freedom of Choice Act is solely has to do with Roe v. Wade. Oh, really? Okay. That's it. So when someone talks about freedom of choice, there's kind of this um, kind of social understanding what people think it means. So it's like, oh, yeah, I live in America. I have freedom of choice. Or, and it's like, well, freedom of choice is not a right, you know, technically not a right if that's the way people are looking at it you know they're not looking at it from the way we're looking at it but they believe in america and all the ideas and all the stuff and then they think you know what are your freedoms well i got freedom of speech and i got freedom of choice right to choose to eradicate your unborn child yes but and, and that's the only thing quote unquote legally or you know in some sort of uh, amendment that it pertains to, only pertains to abortion, doesn't pertain to, you know, having the freedom to, uh, you know, choose uh, Coke over Pepsi or, you know. You know, Coke is the red can and and Pepsi is in a blue can, right? Oh, yeah, penis choice. In the Matrix, what does Morpheus offer Neo? What the color? What are the colors of the pill? Red pill and blue pill. <laughs> Republican or Democrat? That's what he was saying. Yeah, false dichotomy. So here, pick one. You got two choices. Pick one. And he took the red pill. He took the red pill. Yeah, he could have took the blue pill. The same difference. He took the red pill and he um, became a Republican, apparently. <laughs> it's, a, it's all metaphor for somebody converting to Republican. Which, interesting, which, interestingly enough, you could post that article in the chat that uh, Reason Magazine uh, says, Oh, wait, 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 yeah. John, John. Let's take a minute and flesh this out. No, okay. so when, the, when the... You know the bots in the Matrix, and they come after you, and they got mm-hmm. those like tentacles. Do you notice yeah. how they look like Rastafarian like braids? They do. I agree. So he's battling the what, which is kind of like a iconic kind of representation of like a, somebody that's multi-culty, you know, especially a white gal with like uh, Rastafarian braids. Oh, yeah. That's what they're doing there. Yeah, the Republicans are battling social justice warriors in the Matrix. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the movie's about. Uh, that would be a you know, great. Like, you, know, uh, you know, Lawrence. You know, Lawrence Fishburne is a secret Republican, right? Is he? Ah, you sent me a clip of that. Uh, should I play that? Oh yeah, I forgot. Oh wow, that's that's totally lining up on 
that's a, that's a synchronicity right there. I forgot yeah. I sent you that clip. <laughs> Let me uh, see if I can find that. I think I think uh, Alex Jones says he he knew, he knows Lawrence Fishburne. Oh really? Try to pull it up. Now oh, where is it? Oh, I got this. Pull that. Oh, it's going to take me a second. Yeah, you got to access the. You got to get the. Got the telefax. You got the telefax going right there. <laughs> Why don't y'all take a look at that sign up there? See what it says? Cash for your home. You know what that is? Billboard. See y'all, Hamus and Andy. You step in and fetch it. I'm talking about the message. What it stands for? It's called gentrification. It's what happens when the property value of a certain area is brought down. Huh? You listening? Yeah. They bring the property value down. They can buy the land at a lower price. Then they move all the people out, raise the property value, and sell it at a profit. Now, what we need to do is we need to keep everything in our neighborhood, everything, black. Black owned with black money. Just like the Jews, the Italians, the Mexicans, and the Koreans do. Ain't nobody from outside bringing down the property value. It's these folks shooting each other and selling that crack rock and shit. Well, how do you think the crack rock gets into the country? We don't own any planes. We don't own no ships. We are not the people who are flying and floating that shit in here. I know every time you turn on the TV, that's what you see. Black people selling the rock, pushing the rock, pushing the rock. Yeah, I know. But that wasn't a problem as long as it was here. Wasn't a problem until it was in Iowa, and it showed up on Wall Street where there are hardly any black people. If you want to talk about uh, guns, why is it that there's a gun shop on almost every corner in this community? Why? Tell you why. For the same reason that there's a liquor store on almost every corner in the black community. Why? They want us to kill ourselves. You go out to Beverly Hills, you don't see that shit, but they want us to kill ourselves. Yeah, the best way you can destroy a people, you take away their ability to reproduce themselves. Who is it that's dying out here on these streets every night? Y'all. Young brothers like yourselves. What am I supposed to do? Fool roll up, try to smoke me? Shoot the motherfucker if he don't kill me first. You're doing exactly what they want you to do. You have to think, young brother, about your future. Huh? Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood. Which, well, a couple of things there. Um, I would say overall that's pretty much happening to everybody, not just uh, black folks, but definitely at the particular time that was a problem. Um, uh, but yeah, he kind of described a universal thing happening to everyone. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, at that particular time in 1990s, you did see that uh, type of thing uh, happening in Los Angeles. It's interesting because 
Boys in the Hood actually kind of perpetuated the proliferation of that lifestyle, though. It's one of those films where, you know, there's like a series of those movies that are promoted through Hollywood where it, it's it got this message that you think is kind of anti-gangbanger, anti, you know, that lifestyle. But at the same time, it perpetuates and glamorizes the lifestyle, too. Yes. There's always the problem I had with those type of movies. And then you have this sort of brazen hypocrisy with Hollywood in general, especially on the gun issue where um, it's gunplay is like uh, it's just over the top in, in film. It's it's such a it's, it's just a mainstay in film, man. I mean, it. But at the same time, you have the culture creators coming out and saying how bad guns are that that pill uh pill a uh, bill paxton interview where he's talking about yeah guns are extension of the penis and well, um he didn't say that but well, that no, was... we, we what we what we have to give a context is is we were kind of joking around and i said you know what i'll bet you anything the old 80s 90s thing you used to hear which is Taken from Sigmund Freud, but, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, I did not know that. But that's all you ever heard when I was a teenager is that guns are just an extension of penis. It's just, you know. Yeah. That's all you ever heard. That's all you heard everywhere. Oh, yeah, people who, you know, if you like guns, it means you have a small penis, right? Yeah, and then I typed that into the Google, and then there was an article that I think it said that very thing. Bring like, it back. Study shows that gun owners have smaller penises. It's like, how absurd is that? That's like nonsense. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, and so I was just thinking about the, uh when we were joking around. I was like, I'll bet you anything that they're going to bring that meme back if they haven't brought it back already. Oh and yeah, yeah. Up, I'm sure they'll start. They are, they're trying. They're trying to revive it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't heard it. Uh, you know, but that. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm. I think that'll be recycled and put back out. So, what do you think of my prediction about Joe Rogan? Definitely possible. I think it's almost a certainty. I, I just. I just. I just kind of gotta. Yeah. I think like you're saying is um, I think there's I think these people who come out and and say that they're hardcore vegans are just not. They're just uh, a lot of them. Especially Um, like Olympic athletes and stuff. They yeah, because they're so high profile and people are are definitely going to be going to be influenced by what they say they eat. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, we've talked about this for so long and then, you know, it's starting to come into fruition where, you know, just, you know, we we talked about this many years ago as kind of the movement towards, um, towards uh, organic and healthy eating, they would piggyback veganism on, on the back of it. Yes. 
it's like, okay, you know, you're going to, you know, so you have to look at it as kind of like a big scam all in general. It's like, yes, we want, yes, we, we want good food. We want clean food. We want organic food, but we should have that to begin with. And, you know, this is, uh, there's kind of, um, When you come to find out at a you know at a certain time, you'll come to find out uh, that wait a minute, you mean the vegetables I've been eating this whole time are poisonous? I thought <laughs> I was eating good vegetables this whole time. I thought the, my whole life, you know, and um, you know, I know I know um people who. Who lived a very, for the most part, healthy lifestyle, eating salads and jogging, and you know, keeping themselves in shape, and they ended up getting cancer. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and that you know that type of stuff happens. Uh, I mean, I know a person right now who is who is uh, uh, not a not a um, what's the word. It's a sister of a friend. My friend's sister has cancer. She's very thin. She's not overweight. She didn't, you know, uh, have any health issues until she got cancer. Wow. So, um, you know, it. but you're under the assumption your entire life that you're eating, that when you're eating celery and uh, salad and all that, all the vegetables and all that stuff that you are healthy and that the food itself is healthy. So you, you were tricked and see, now we moved into this point, which is a bizarre, absurd state to be in that you go to a grocery store and you have the choice of either eating organic or food with pesticide that's poisonous on it. Yeah, and it's been genetically tweaked in a lab. But but here's the thing. Think about how crazy that is. And and then like since, you know, I started eating organic, one of the things that I hear from most people is, "Oh, that's a scam to make more money." Right? That's one of the common things you hear. I'm not going to buy organic. That's a scam. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. I've heard the same thing too. But, I mean, just think about how, what kind of bizarro reality we live in, where you go to the store, and, I mean, I've been there. I've been in that reality, too, because, you know, most people know that food is, food is sprayed with pesticide. Oh, Yeah. Like soaked in pesticide, from what I understand. Yeah, but 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 like that's like a common thing people know. I mean, I even knew that even before I knew anything about nutrition or food or health or uh, GMOs or whatever people think is you know happening or uh, pesticide. You you just everybody knows that food gets sprayed with pesticides, and then once you you know it becomes. 
evident to the whole world because now you can, I mean, I mean, this is just the crazy part to me, is you go into the grocery store, you've got the organic and you've got the non-organic. And all organic means is just food. It, like it's, actual food. It's just food that isn't soaked in poisonous chemicals. <laughs> but yet, you're going to go have to make a choice between that? And freedom then, of choice. Freedom of choice, exactly. And then people will go to the store, and it's not their fault because they literally think they're going to go, and they've been provided, uh, you know, oh, you can either pay a higher price for something that hasn't been soaked in pesticide that's going to kill you, or you can eat this food that's going to kill you. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, I know. What was uh, Jay was quoting out of a book that was talking about that? Was it Costler that was talking about like uh, something to the effect that people will have the ability to make decisions? The people that are, are going to go with the uh, foods that are bad, they're going to die earlier and that will be good riddance because they deserve to die. If they're that stupid, they deserve to die. Anyway, something thought, to that effect. I thought it was the Jonas Salt book he was reading from. Oh, that was the Jonas Salt book? Are you fucking serious? Oh, man. I, th- I think it was. I think so. I don't think he's done an Arthur Kessler uh, book yet. Wow. The, the only books that he's done, he did uh, Russell, Impact of Science on Society, I think. Now this is Jonas Salk, everybody. That's the, the the vaccine guy that got that all kicked off. Just for reference, there. Some side note. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but one one of the things is like we were saying is this is kind of piggybacked. This vegan thing is going to be piggybacked on this move for quote-unquote natural or organic food, and then slowly but surely you're going to see it transition. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to eat, you know, we got the good meat, we got the organic beef, but then it's going to be, well, now we've got you eating the organic stuff, which is good. I'm for it. I do it myself. But maybe they start taking away, they just start removing it. Like the, the being able to purchase a, a large variety of it or something like that. Another thing that we, that we talked about a lot um, is that once you get, once you get, you know, sucked into a cultural change, there will be things that will disappear and it's gradual because you don't want to upset the herd. Yes. So it's just a gradual thing. It's like, okay, well, we've got you into this thing now, this this new thing that you're doing. And the old oh, things are just... Yeah. Sorry. No, just the old things are just slowly but surely removed over time. But not only are they just removed the desire for those things get removed too. Yeah, they get... uh, So you don't notice that they're gone. 
Yes, right. So that um, now, on the other hand, too, you have sort of like you know counter movements to like say the vegan movement or some of these other movements, and then there's 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 that to point out as well. But um, now, because you, you know you have uh, YouTubers out there that are promoting, uh, yeah, diet. Well, we had um, that the lady on that went into. Uh, Good nutrition and all that. So I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that, that it's just Nancy Deville, and um, there. So there's this dialectic underway, and uh, that. But here's the thing: you're not going to have uh, the guy, the main guy on doctors, start pimping it. You're not going to have, probably not going to have Doctor Oz promoting it. Yeah. The- that's a little bit of a different, yeah, the different thing. Nutrition. Um, the nutrition. I don't know. For, for the most part. Uh, hey, you're breaking up, John. Nancy DeVille's not, not, she's not like a super, super popular uh, author. No, that's what I that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, they're out there. Yeah. She probably does. Okay. You know, as far as financially and everything, but she doesn't get, she's not going to get any kind of mainstream exposure to my knowledge. In in fact, when I contacted her, she's already kind of out of the nutrition game. Oh Yeah. So she's already kind like, of like we we were interviewing her and she was like I remember when I talked to her she's like oh you want to talk about those books oh okay yeah I I'll, I'll refresh myself with my books oh I see yeah because <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. because that's yeah. not the cultural zeitgeist John that's not mm-hmm. what everybody wants now they want they want to hear the good news about plant based and vegan you know they saw they saw one of these. Extremely, well, she's really, she's really bad and evil. And I'm yes. saying that joking. I'm I'm saying that jokingly because. Well, no, she is now in our new Puritan era. She's that's another thing too. You have to contend with that because well, you're going to get. She's hate. also a Buddhist. Oh yeah, see, well, she's a Buddhist who eats meat. Do you want to hear some vegans promoting? Cultured meat. <laughs> uh, sure, it's pretty interesting. Right or wrong, Cultured meat, guys. That's the big thing right now. The big thing. People it's been going around. It's been going along for years. I mean, we've heard bits and pieces about it. They've been in this. You know, they've been in the. Labs, like working on yeah, stuff, perfecting it. Different people, different companies. Um, it's been they've been working on it for a long time, but in recent times, like the last couple of years, especially these last few months, it's exploded we're in the, the media. We're at the zeitgeist. People have been talking about it all the time. Um, tons of people have been asking for our what we think about it. So we're gonna let you guys fucking know. So basically, how we get meat right now? Think about it. We confine animals to tiny cages where they can barely move. We rip their testicles out. We Pry their teeth out of their mouths. We chop their beaks off. We slit their throats while they're still fully Yeah, content. we do all this crazy, Good. fucked up shit, and then we eat the animals. Billions of animals every year. 
How do you get cultured meat? You take an animal. You take cells from the animal. You don't kill the animal. A couple, uh, you take a couple take of cells, cells from the animal in a very easy you put, way. You put it into a petri dish, and you replicate it into identical meat. And then what they do is they're actually like honing it. So over the past 10 years, they've been honing that in. To make it better. Getting everything right. Make actually, the texture more right. The taste. Yeah. All the, and all they're stuff. eliminating some stuff like I think excess cholesterol, cholesterol and, all that and stuff, stuff yeah. like that, so, which is kind of interesting too. And over time, if that becomes the norm in meat, where that's where we get all of our meat from, animals will not be tortured. They won't be put in cages where they can barely move. They won't be mutilated without painkillers. They won't be, won't be brutally slaughtered. So the official vegan stance on cultured meat is that this is the most insane fucking shit the animal rights movement has ever. This is the most epic shit ever, motherfuckers. This it's, has so much potential to do so much good for animals. Animals could literally stop suffering and stop dying. Billions of them. Billions right. of them will be saved. So the, the official vegan stance of this. Fuck yes. Eat that shit. Enjoy it. Vegan Applaud it. Get in on it. Invest if you can. Get in and fucking... Let's do it. And, you know, like, vegans don't have to eat it, but you can if you want. You have the clear. Awesome. You have the clear. It's vegan. There you go. You have the clear, John. Is that, what pod- that was- is that a podcast? That's on YouTube. This shit's all over YouTube is what I've been saying. Is that what people sound like on other, like, podcasts and YouTubes? Like, because I don't really listen to very many, like, mainstream type stuff. If I was an animal and I heard those two douchebags trying to save my life, I'd just kill myself. <laughs> it's, 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 these it's, these are the guys who are trying to save save me? Man. Well, that's very uh, postmodern, is it not? <laughs> Meat is vegan. <laughs> We're gonna take take all the cholesterol out of it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the that's the um, goal right there. That's the goal. <laughs> You're gonna eat meat with no no cholesterol, so you um, yeah, so you won't be able to think. Your brain will just be mush, like like those two. Um, and I say this with you know compassion. Those two morons buffooning around. I, I, it's just, I, I don't, I, I, it's like, okay, a lot of effort is put out there by vegans to vilify meat as causing cancer. Everything, every ailment known to man is meat. It's because you eat meat. That's why people are fat because they eat meat. That's why you're, you know, it's like, yeah, it doesn't have nothing to do with drinking, you know, four gallons of soda pop every day or nothing like that. It's meat. But meat, is is okay to eat for a vegan it's like what wait a minute oh it's cultured meat well it's still meat it's just mm-hmm. it's dude how insane how absolutely insane you can contradict yourself though in the next you know from sentence to sentence nowadays you don't get called okay. out on it doesn't Fine. matter good it's like why would you want to promote meat at all if it's so bad for you if it causes you cancer you, if it causes heart wanna... disease you shouldn't want to eat the soy meatballs at the market. You shouldn't want to eat like the soy the soy burger because you shouldn't want to emulate meat at all, right? Well, you should want to not have a taste for it, period, and get that yeah. taste for it out of your system because according to them, your natural 
uh, affinity should be for just vegetables like a friggin' goat or something, you know. No goats eat. You know what, too? It's like all all animals eat meat to one mm-hmm. extent or another. Elephants eat meat. Cows eat meat. Deer eat meat. Monkeys eat meat. You name it, they eat meat. They eat meat. They eat meat. They got a, I got a footage of all of them eating meat. Everything's eating meat. Cows eating baby chickens. Goats mm-hmm. eating baby chickens. Did you say that there were collars holding Oh, yes, there is. Let me go attend to my window over here because I'm off. Oh, we got a notification. Let me unmute uh, Rochello. Hi, Rochello. I'll unmute you at a time. I'll go up to the top and unmute. Good evening, Rochelle. Hey, John. Good to hear you guys. This is listening. Go ahead. Tell me tell me how the cow ate the cabbage. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you how the cow ate the cabbage. That's, I almost threw up listening to that dude talking. That's why I, <laughs> I hit star eight. Like I was trying to tell you to stop, Chris, to stop the clip because uh, I almost That's had to like hang up Uber there. Drive, that was right. like I don't know if that was an ad for cultured meat or he was triggered. Oh, hell yeah. It was triggered. I was triggered like a motherfucker. <laughs> For real. Like, that shit was, uh, that was probably one of the worst things I've heard in my entire life. And that's that's what I'm saying about YouTube is, I mean, listen to the, the cadence of the guy's speech and the way that they talk mm-hmm. and yell and they're vulgar and stuff like that. And all of that stuff, it's all the same. Like, basically, no matter what topic you're yeah. trying to go into and that. That is, um, do you think that that's just a different kind of media, John? I mean, I think that's just the, the new media, basically, that mm-hmm. everybody has to emulate. Yeah, it's, you know. What, well, it didn't, it, it didn't trigger me because it that music intro blew my eardrums out, so I couldn't hear what they were saying. So, like, Rochelle, I mean, I'm really excited about these new shoes that are on the market. They're just, like, the greatest thing. I mean, I mean totally awesome shit man it's just these shoes these survivalist shoes chris have you tried these these are great i mean they're just i mean yeah like, yeah like, john john i got awesome. i got i gotta tell you man they're do you know that they're 100 percent vegan they don't have any animal products survivalist shoes have no animal products they're 100 percent vegan the adhesive inside is 100 percent vegan source no 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 I mean, chris this is gonna fucking blow your mind i'm gonna blow your fucking mind right now Boom, blow your fucking mind with these survivalist shoes. Oh, my God. These are fucking awesome, dude. Like, I've right never oh, fucking yeah. seen this shit before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what we're getting into. Like, I pretty much see, like, this next generation completely fucked. Like, I can barely order a fucking burger at, like, Red Robin. It's, like, getting really bad, dude. Like, nobody knows what's going on. They can barely speak. Like, it's, um, I, I feel like YouTube is kind of like, uh, YouTube and Facebook are kind of like the, they're to blame for all of this. And parents, too. Have you gotten lectured, Rochelle, about eating meat by anybody? Um, no, but you know, I work with this, um, older gentleman who, I mean, he's like 68 years old. He's pretty old. 
But he said that he doesn't really eat meat, even though, like, he goes and eats fast food and stuff, which is pretty funny. But, like, he says that he doesn't eat meat and stuff like that. And he says that he hasn't done that, like, most of his life or whatever. So I wonder if, like, this whole, like, don't eat meat and stuff like that is um kind of – if I want to kind of look into the history of that and see how far back this has actually gone because he he's told me that far. he – we said pretty Very far. far back. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. It, yeah, so he's like, so he must be one of those guys. Yeah, which is which was interesting to me yeah. because I've never really heard anybody that wasn't like a trendy, right? That's like, oh, I don't eat meat. Like all the people that I've ever met my entire life were like young trendies who just decided to not eat meat because um, maybe they heard it from somewhere or their dad shot a deer one day or. Something weird like that. No, if, so. I, if I'm remembering correctly, um, I think Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin at some point became vegetarians. Really? And they were, yeah, they're all they were all into. I mean, a lot of those guys' writings. Um, um, I think like a lot of uh, this is kind of weird, but you. you don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering it's certain uh if you get up into uh those guys from that particular era, like uh they became high level Freemasons and became vegetarians i I think that just becoming in anything like in your eating habits is kind of like a um, it's an interesting idea in itself because. Um, I, I, I know this guy who's from straight from Vietnam and, you know, he, he was talking about how, um, the only time that he's ever seen beef in like the 17 years that he lived in Vietnam, basically like the previous 17 years, he's pretty old now, um, was like, it was like one or two times, you know what I mean? In like 17 years. And so he's like, so basically if they put a dog in front of you, when you, hadn't seen any meat in that many years, like, what would you do? You would eat dog and cat, too, you know what I'm saying? So, like, he's kind of just, like, talking about the uh, stereotype of Asian people eating dogs or whatever, you know, but um, I feel like what people eat and everything is really based on, like, the economy of things in their society. And so, to, to bring it back for a second, um, Becoming a vegan and deciding that you're not going to eat a certain type of food is almost like going organic in my innocence that it's expensive and it costs money. It's kind of like a first world issue, basically. And um, it's um, for me, people that I know who are diabetic and stuff like that, it's basically it's impossible and nonsensical. Like, I just feel like um, this whole veganism and um or not necessarily organic but definitely veganism it's kind of like a uh it's a first world thing right like it's a first <laughs> world thing like... because it's it's people who have leisure yeah exactly and if you have the if you have if you have the capability and the leisurely you know activity to engage in that i mean if you're living in a in a country like you're saying like Vietnam I mean those people eat fish I mean they get chicken 
they might not have cows, you know, out wherever, whatever, but they've got other things, you know, um, I think. Well, he said that they, said they would only eat fish and stuff, and meat was really rare, basically. So, yeah, I don't know what part of Vietnam he lived in, but. but no I was pun intended. <laughs> but anyway. He said meat was really rare. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how you, um, that's how, that's how it's supposed to be. Better that way. way. It is. Um, yeah, so Benjamin Franklin claims he was a vegetarian. Thomas Jefferson was a vegetarian. Apparently Thomas Edison was a vegetarian at some point. Um, uh, and um, Benjamin Franklin claims in his autobiography that he read a book when he was 16 years old uh, that uh that talked about the benefits of a vegetable-based diet. Don Adams was also a previous vegetarian. I was, and I mean, yes. And I mean you, John Adams. <laughs> yeah, me, not the... Not the, uh, not the other John. Not the, not the actor also, in the, uh, also the other John. <laughs> I was, yes. So, but, but yeah, so... Um, another, another area... Uh, what, wasn't Hitler a vegetarian? Yes. Hitler was a vegetarian. Um, so, uh, yeah. So the, it's evil. Theosophy so vegetarianism talk, is talks about it. vegetarianism. Theosophy is all about vegetarianism. New Age philosophy is all about vegetarianism. you got, you know, that coming in in the 1800s. It's all a Yeah, no, this is new. And hey, this is, is. Kay. Hi. Kay. Hi. Whoa. Okay. Hey, Rochelle. Hi, girl. Okay. Hey, John. Is hi, Buck boy. Carry on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm on. Oh, cool, man. Uh, can you introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, my name's Nate. Uh, outside of Atlanta, about 40 miles. Uh, oh, cool. Just, yeah, glad to have you. Hello, Nate. Good to have you. Yeah, I just... Uh, thought that uh, all this veganism like that clip you played is pretty much just all turned into a parody of itself at this point. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, well, yeah, promoting meat, but not promoting meat. That's, that's, should be a hang-up for a lot of people, but apparently it goes over okay. Kids like stuff like that, though. Like, just the way that he talks and everything and the way that he presents himself. Like, that's that's the most popular stuff. Is, um, it, it, the more vulgar and disgusting and, like, I don't know, crazy and wild it is. That's what they like now. Now, Chris, don't attempt any... Um... Don't don't attempt any humor tonight on on this call because you're never going to be able to top that joke that you said last week that cracked us all up, so... Oh, yeah, I'll keep it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Nate, are you, are you seeing any signs of uh, veganism proliferating in the area that you live in? Uh, absolutely. Uh, Atlanta is just, you know, like a super hipster hub kind of thing. So, you know, super liberal, mm-hmm. even yeah. though it's in the South. Absolutely like it. Yeah. 
Oh, we get an echo? Yeah, I think I uh, I just unmuted Phil B, and he, I think he's got feedback coming in. So, Phil, if you could make a correction on your end. But yeah, anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But, I mean, just general, I mean, if you want to look at veganism, just part of, you know, the overall Agenda 21-type plans, I mean, it's all just, I feel like in all your major cities, that's where it's, I mean, that's where it's going to be happening with all the NGOs and type control of yeah. the cities. Just real quick, I want to say that KHAM lives in Seattle, Washington, and I live in Portland, Oregon. And so think about that with veganism in terms of geogra- geography. Like, um, I think that we probably live in some of the most <laughs> vegan push areas in the country, probably. Tell me I'm wrong, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seattle yeah. and Portland are fighting for the most veganism. Yeah. It's a fight. Oh, they're competing yeah, like. Time, though. You can be more vegan. Vegan restaurants and all that. Be more those, those two those two cities have been that way for a long time. I mean, you guys are in, um, and I, I've been to Seattle and Portland many times in my life. Um, and uh, yeah, that that is uh, uh, that's uh, that, I mean that's where you get the whole uh, you know like like. Punk, punk and riot girl and third wave feminism all comes out of those two cities and uh, uh, an, uh, animal rights animal rights activism uh, has big uh, following in those areas too. Atlanta's the I don't know if you guys are aware, but Atlanta's the number one uh, gay capital in the United States now at this point. ATL. ATL? Really? Yeah, Atlanta. I mean, they could, there's a crosswalk, I mean, in the middle of the Midtown area that was painted, you know, rainbow for pride at one point. I mean, and it's it's just maintained. It's just continued, like, it's a, there's a whole just huge culture of just uh, gayism in the city of Atlanta. Now, I've, I haven't been to Atlanta in almost 20 years. Is there any black people left? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, it's pretty much the same as any city. If you're not careful, I mean, you're going to end up in some really sketchy uh, neighborhoods. It's uh, really uh-huh. weird with what you mentioned about the gentrification. That's uh, definitely something that's happening in Atlanta with, you know, there's a couple major developers doing all the apartment complex, tearing down all the old stuff, building new stuff that they'll, you know, demolish in 20 years and build something else. Stackham and Packham's? Oh, yeah. And, you know, Target cities, you know, people living in uh, Publix, which is the, you know, supermarket chain out here, people living in mm-hmm. million-dollar townhomes, you know, within the same plaza as a Publix. Yeah, but- have you all heard this Plandopolis? Oh, hi. I'm so glad you're on time. I'm V. I'm looking forward to showing you around Plandopolis today. My husband works from home. He's a virtual engineer working in one of the city's desalination plants. He controls the robots who do all the important maintenance. I think as we're past.
Right, what's on the menu this month? No, not me. It's not your birthday. The Global Food Council are doing a really good job of keeping food production going. I mean, you don't get a choice you're used to, but we're better off than most. I think it's probably easiest to walk from here. You barely see a car in the city centre nowadays, unless you're rich. <laughs> you guys heard that? Oh, yeah. I, I, I you're rich. You're... Sonia, you're it's not me. It's not your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. What the, that's like from 2010 or something, right? Yeah, it's been up a while. Planedopolis. Yeah. Uh, a little animated. I guess it's it's not a parody either. It's serious. It is. It was. It was a serious thing. What comments are disabled? Huh. Yeah, figures. Yeah, I was. I was. I was kidding when I was asking if there was still black people. But I'm sure uh, in Atlanta. But by the, I was. <laughs> I was making half a joke, half a joke there because, um, you know, in the process of, um, well, I'll tell you something about like Los Angeles. Um, Los Angeles, growing up, there was lots and lots of black people, and there's not a, I mean, there's still some, but there's not as many as there used to be. And if you go into South Central LA, where that um, that clip from Boys in the Hood is supposed to be at, you're going to still see black people, but there's a lot of Africans that have replaced the people who moved out. Now, if you go to, um, like, um, I think even a lot of the subjects of those particular movies from the 1990s is people up and moving out of the hood because it's so... Uh, you know, bad or run down or whatever. Sorry, there's a plane a plane landing on my house right now. But, um, oh. But they, uh, uh, are you all right, John? God dang it, man! <laughs> did you hear that? Did you hear that plane? Uh, yeah. Are yes, you? we do hear. <laughs> yes. What? But, <laughs> <laughs> There's a storm. There's supposed to be a rain. It's supposed to rain, so they're flying really low, apparently. Um, hey, John. Anyways, hey, John uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, real quick, I just wanted no. to say, the, que- the question was, are there black people who are still in Atlanta? Are there still black people in Atlanta? And the answer was, oh, yeah, if you turn down the wrong street, you can get jumped real quick, or you can get robbed. I just, I don't know, I kind of, I slightly take offense to that. Hey, don't need to take uh, offense for that. It wasn't, you know, intended that way exactly, but that generally is how Atlanta is. You know, my wife goes to uh, Georgia. Atlanta still has, like, there also is a lot of gated black communities in Atlanta. That's, like, one of the highest, like, ratio of, like, gated, like, black communities where it's, like, it's a nice community, but white people still don't want to live in. It's just all black people. So there you go. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's lots of, there's still lots of, uh, so I grew up, you know, I went to high school in Atlanta. So I you didn't finish know. your sentence. Just what? <laughs> no. There's lots of, I just said you didn't finish your sentence, but I was just playing with you. 
No, well, what I was going to say is it's definitely part of the culture in Atlanta because of the music. The music perpetuates, you Thank know, this, you. this, yes, this hoodlum yes, culture, you know. So there's lots, yeah, of, I don't know. There's I lots of young black males doing things they shouldn't be. You know, my wife goes to Georgia. They State wouldn't State be State doing, State. too. In downtown Atlanta where they have to worry about getting robbed in their university, in their library. And in their library, to get in their library, you have to use a biometric system with yeah, your fingerprint. So yeah, that's what, that's that's what I meant by my uh, whole family lives in the south. Yeah, I already know. But yeah, I, I understand. I know what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But you know, sometimes it sometimes it sounds wrong. But I understand that it's it's all could be slightly emotional. But you know, um, I do I do slightly disagree. I think that, but I do agree that the music and the culture that the um, my culture has been, I guess, incubated in is definitely to blame. And the parents, too. Never want to forget the parents. <laughs> or the lack of family structure, you know. The black family was easily, like, targeted throughout, like, history. You can see, like, that it's been destroyed on purpose, you know. I can't remember the statistics, but they're incredibly high for there being, like, no fathers in families. Oh, man, they have, yeah, I, I there's, there's a um, Stevie, who who is that a comedian? I can't remember his name exactly, but Stevie something or whatever. But he does this like seven minute ABC um, clip on talking about black fathers in the home, and he has like four successful black women, and he talks about basically how they can't find a mate, like these four like you know black doctors or whatever, like really gorgeous black women can't find anybody to marry them because they're basically all the men, like half of their, half of their population is already in prison or whatever, or doesn't have the, um, isn't at the social standard that's uh, respectable to them for them to even be mateable basically. So basically the entire black community has been completely set up black women and black men. And so I, mean, <laughs> I don't even want to get into that. I'm not, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, yeah, so the the thing the thing of it is is like a lot of people, you can get caught, you know, you can get caught up in the um, the particulars of the weaponized culture, and some some I'm not saying you guys are doing this. I'm just saying in general, you can get caught up in the particulars of the weaponized culture of um, you know, oh, we've got illegitimate fathers, we've got kids who do drugs or sell drugs or uh, commit crime, um, uh, you know, babies having babies, all that, you know, kind of age-old stuff that's been around as long as I've been alive. Um, and every single aspect of that is 100% weaponized culture. It, so it's something that, like, that, you know, people, um, like, you can blame people individually and say, you know, so, you know, so-and-so shouldn't have robbed the liquor store or, so, you know, so-and-so shouldn't have uh, stole someone's car or something like that. But it's definitely... Uh, uh, environment does play a part in that, and the the culture that's just foisted upon everybody definitely plays a part in it too. It 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 can't be 
um, it can't be solely just put on the back of, of an individual, I don't think. Well, that's no, what I mean. Yeah. No, no. Can, can, I, can I say something real quick? There's a South Park episode with Snoop Dogg. This is what I think about rap music. And I stopped listening to rap music for like a couple of years, you know. And it's because I feel like it's, I know that it's weaponized, you know, against a lot of people, not every, you know, every race, basically. Everyone, everyone. Uh, exactly, yeah. But there's a South Park episode with Snoop Dogg in it. And Snoop Dogg's on stage doing his thing, beat bopping and doing his little rap thing or whatever. And then in the back, at the end of the show, he goes into the back and he sits down at the desk and he speaks properly. He's speaking articulately to the um, his white master, basically his boss, you know. And essentially what I came to the conclusion about that is that that is literally the whole rap game and everything is a complete setup because nobody gets to the level that Jay-Z is at or Snoop Dogg, Dogg, or any of those people are at, but yeah. Well, you hear that uh, interview with the rap- rapper Fifty Cent, and and the, the subject of drugs came up, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, so like, how much?" I, something to the effect of like, you know, so you know, you you know, you smoke a lot of uh, weed, and then he was like, "No, I don't ever touch weed. I'm like a fan. I'm like, I'm like I got a family, and I kind of just." He's like he's like saying he's like this total family centered individual. Like he doesn't he's not in the party scene. He's not in any of that. And and his song is called like what's it called like get get really high get or something high. like that. Yeah, I think they were talking I about that high. song or something. And he's like, I yeah. I get high. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Nobody not. gets to that. Nobody gets to Fifty Cent's level or Snoop Dogg's level, acting like a buffoon, acting like an idiot, speaking, uh, not being able to complete sentences and, you know, acting like a moron. That's not, I really think that it's kind of, it's in their best interest, Jay-Z and all these other characters, to act that way, to set people up because people try and follow their path. And they try and follow that path and they're never going to get to the level that those people are actually at. So they're well, basically they're just tools of the, the weaponized culture themselves. You know, what I was trying to get at with that whole point was the fact that, you know, the, with, you know just because we were talking about the black situation with the families, the destruction of that, just like, you know, the homosexual aspect, you know, if you get two dads, you know, you're missing a mother. And so if you're having, you know, people grow up without a family unit, you know, with, you know, proper things we need by, you know, what we need for survival, you're not getting those things through uh, missing your family, so you're not going to be the best. Basically, you're more easily duped by, you know, the culture because you have no nothing else to be grounded to. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's all, uh, it's all been brought in through different phases. You know, we talked about that, and then so you know, when we got it, we got into this era where, you know, the smartphone kind of dominates and everything that, that technology had to be brought in at a, at a, it had to be put on hold to be brought in and introduced at a certain time period. And I think that that was, this was all part coordinated thing as well. Cause I don't think technology, I don't, the, you see the way these products are released. It's like every six months or whatever they come out with a new iPhone. It's like, oh well, this has this new innovation. It's like, well, no, that's it. Does that that doesn't mean that 
that they're having these new technological breakthroughs every six months. That's just ridiculous. Is that it's dribbled out to the public with all of this stuff, not just the iPhone, but all, you know, and then, um, it's, it's, it's touted as this latest, greatest thing. But, but in reality, like the, the, you know, all the principles and everything had been sorted out like a long time ago. Talk about that Charles Aldridge, uh, was it 1912 or something. He's, it's in the New York times, some about, a he invented the uh, vest pocket telephone telephone. You can carry around in your pocket and talk, you know, works through radio transmission. You hooked up the, uh, telephone system into the radio transmission have switchers and all that and it's it was all sorted out like a you know, way back then what 100 years ago something like that but um so you'll just hear a mention of it and then that'll be it but it but what it's telling you is that that th- this stuff was already known because you could you could you could future project based on what you, you technological uh uh principles like how so you you could see where direct what direction it's headed. Well, they said Tesla had a wirelessly wireless transmission of power. Now you're just now seeing products come out with wireless uh, receivers. They call them uh, power harvesters. So there's like these little modules that uh, operate like very low uh, voltages, and they pull. Uh, well, they generate electricity from pulling or uh, tuning into the wi- Wi-Fi signals around. Well, that's a that's a demonstration of wireless power, but you know, like uh, Tesla had that uh, that idea and had had a, a working prototype of that. You know, however long ago that was. So it's brought in at the proper time and introduced to the public as like, hey, look, we've been really really working hard in the lab, MIT, those smart boys over there. We figured out how to harvest power, and it's like, well, yeah, you could maybe say that, but you could also look at two where people figured this out years ago and they made their own power harvesting. Some kid made one too. There's a video of that where he's talk, talking about it, and he's got some coil or something set up, and it resonates with the, uh, the radio signals and the Wi-Fi, and it could generate, you know, very low voltage current, and um, so that's. Well, see, that's a, a principle of you know technology. Just it's proof of concept, and it's like just just the fact that they're just now coming out with consumer products based on that, which is something that's been understood for a long time. So, but we're we're always uh, led to believe that the stuff that gets in our hands is the latest greatest thing, and it's just that's just not true. It's not true at all. But it's introduced at the proper time. It's, it's it's like the internet was given to us at this moment in history when the when the you know the atomization of breakdown of the family and all that has has already been uh, effective. And then it's like okay, now we can introduce everybody to their virtual uh, you know the eventuality of something that you'll be talking to like your Siri, but it'll be more advanced. And then they're calling that artificial intelligence, which it's not. But that's, that's another thing that's going to be busting up on the scene. Some kind of, uh, well, they already have it like these, uh, what is it? Eliza was that, that initial one where they did that program. It's like a, like a automated therapist. Yes. 
and what this is leading up to is atomization of the individual, the the individualization of the individual. Yes. And to kind of fractalize everything into different camps. I mean, you have all these subcultures now that have kind of popped up recently. And they a lot of them incorporate various types of like deviancy, like sexual kind of related stuff. Some don't. Some are more, uh, yeah. And then you got the Flat Earth Brigades, which uh, is a study in identity politics right there, I believe. It's kind of like identity politics at play in a lot of that stuff. Check one, two. Who's on the, uh, wow, who's riding the, uh, somebody trying to catch a train? Oh, I guess that's me. Sorry, hang on, I'm outside. Oh, okay. It's a, it's gone now. It was like a pretty loud. But yeah, see, I think this uh, thing with the left-right paradigm is is uh, it, it's something out there that's you know people are pointing out, but they're keeping it within that uh, phony dial, that false dichotomy dialectic. This is this this, this is um, much. Uh, bigger than that and see it's it's all it's all um facilitated by this technology for people to to kind of get into these little groups these uh, identity identity groups and uh i mean i guess we're kind of doing it here in, in a sense <laughs> it would be an example of that yeah so i mean it's like uh that that's something that uh, doesn't seem to be addressed that often. I mean, that, as far as culture is going, it's kind of like, fra- yeah, fractal. Like John's saying, fractalizing the what's already. Well, if you want to look stuff. at, you know, like how the controllers, you know, if that's what you want to call them, the controllers or the powers that shouldn't be or whatever, you know, everything's about a dualism. You know, even with the quantification of life and everything, you know, they're trying to find an equation and balance numbers when life is so much more than that. But, you know, they're always trying to harp on the dualism and, you know, the black versus white and China. That's why they might do something incredibly, you know, humanitarian, but then do, you know, some maniacal shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like the... Uh, Masonic checkerboard. They always show you that a lot of stuff. The black and white, the dualism, and uh, it's like either either or thinking is encouraged. False dichotomy is encouraged. <clears throat> I try not to get into that. So, like myself, I try to watch that absolutist approach to things. Like it's either. You know, everything we're presented with is 100% fake. I don't, I don't uh, subscribe to that. But then, it's, uh, on the other hand, it's like, what, what, just, you know, examine it. What, what best fits the uh, evidence when taken in its entirety. But still, it's like this uh, pressure to kind of get to adopt some kind of an identity and base something on that and then kind of like uh have this exclusionary attitude towards 
other people that aren't right in line with your mode of thinking, you know, that's, that's something that's encouraged. And, um, you see that out there. So it's, uh, yeah, it's all coming at a rapid pace. Seems like too. We're in the century of change, by the way. I feel like ego is a big issue when it comes to that because, you know, when, you know, I know the whole evolution debate, but people aren't able to be right with themselves enough to where they can't, they can admit to themselves they don't know. You know, there's some things that, you know, we might have the potentiality to never know and they can't accept that for themselves. Yeah, I mean, how 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 do you think it fits into the evolution theory? Like, uh, so I mean, from what I from what I gather, the way people, you know, the philosophy, uh, evolution, and all that, it's kind of very flexible. So it's kind of like this thing that can always be uh, referenced that really doesn't have any basis in objective reality. It's just something that can be used to prop up just about any position. Um, haven't heard many uh, vegans using it to prop up their position, but I'm sure they'll develop some sort of argument based on evolution theory. Check one, two. Is that... Uh, oh. oh, that's... Uh, it's like, uh, yeah, so I, it's something that's uh, commonplace. Yeah, it's kind of... But I think what... Um, speaking of that, I just recently... Uh, tweeted Joe Rogan something because he's talking about, yeah, he's not, he's not going to go vegan. He's a meat eater and evolution. He linked to a article talking about how, well, that's how we got our brains is because we started eating meat. And, uh, that's, it's all in my position is backed by science because evolution. And I, I sent him a tweet saying, yeah, Joe needs to understand that evolution itself evolves. So you're likely to see like something come up on the scene where it's like, oh, we'll see where you're wrong about all that. It's like, yeah, meat doesn't help your brain. It's plants that help your brain. Science says just wait. Yeah, because they're, they're already retooling all the nutrition advice from the American Heart Association and all that, re, retooling it. So it's like if anybody could have any worse of a track record for bad diet advice it would be the you know establishment order yeah butter's bad for you eggs are bad for you uh, stay off cholesterol then they introduced trans fats and that just wiped out a whole bunch of people it's like whoops uh, yeah, maybe yeah trans fats is like a directly tied to it so yeah we're going to ban it it's still in the food chain by the way but it's being phased out this I guess it's just so incredibly obviously toxic, but uh that was all FDA approved and establishment approved and this this hammering on cholesterol, that's something that's uh I think a lot of a lot of kind of even doctors and stuff are are like seeing the the, the blatant uh falsehood in that. So they're like coming off of it. But at the same time it's still establishment dogma that Cholesterol is very bad for you. You shouldn't eat cholesterol. And uh, it's linked to heart disease, which uh, it's not. I mean, it's, I mean, they're still pushing it, though, very heavily. 
It's like, uh, yeah, you heard the vegan guy. It's like, yeah, we'll have meat, but they're going to take all the cholesterol out of it. It's like, mm, yeah. It's, uh, well, why, uh, so why do they, yeah. they always bring up the moral, you know, from what I always hear vegan arguments, they're bringing up morals about, oh, we got cows trapped in tiny little cages. But, you know, what about the fact that, you know, you can get cows that are grass-fed that have been running around, you know, their whole life? It tastes better, too. I mean, I don't know why they don't think that's a, not a symptom of something else other than, I don't know. I just don't, there's, I mean, there's no logic there, obviously, but I just don't understand why they go from, oh, cows are factory farm to uh, don't eat cows. Yeah, it's like a false dichotomy again. It's like uh, you present something and you pivot off that. Like, you know, show an extreme example of, like, animal abuse, which um, I'm sure it probably goes on in the factory farms. Uh, But then you take that to make a case that meat is bad, like fundamentally morally wrong to to kill an animal and eat it, which is a, a, that's a giant leap of logic, but... You, you, it, but the, what it's going to tell you, because I, you know, when I I I, I did that uh, vegan de, uh, sort of debate there, informal uh, discussion, really more than a debate, but with Mark Stevens, and uh, if you listen to that, you take note of he 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 continually refers to that over and over, the factory farm. You know, he wants to invoke that, and he keeps saying, you know. Why do you want to slit an animal? Why do you want to hang an animal by its feet and slit its throat? All this, you know, and all that. So yeah, he's like playing on. He's really, he, he knows his argument is not logically based, so he's going to appeal to emotion over and over and over. And that's what uh, vegans do. And I kept telling him that. Well, I mean, none of that establishes killing and eating animal is fundamentally morally wrong. If you if you're pointing out an example where somebody's doing it in a cruel manner. That doesn't mean it's fundamentally morally wrong to do it. You know, there's, of course, better ways to handle it, but that's not what's being debated. That's, that is simply not what's being debated. It's, it's the, 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 what's being debated is, is it fundamentally morally wrong to kill an animal and eat it? But they don't have to establish that. They could just invoke that imagery. And this is, this is something that has been set up for people to do this because they've come out with these uh, funded, you know, well-produced, slick documentaries. What is the ones that people keep referencing? The t- t- forks to knives, uh, Fork, oh, cowspiracy, forks over knives, cowspiracy. Uh, I think there's another one. There's multiple ones of those. And um, so they came out however many years ago. And so that's it's all this positioning. And then so then you have the, the just the saturation on YouTube with discussions about it. And then all of a sudden you have all these YouTubers coming out promoting veganism. And it's, it's, it's all this, uh, yeah, very, I'm not saying everybody on YouTube is some paid by the UN or anything. I'm not saying that, but the top ones most likely are getting some kind of, uh, kickback funding or something like that. But, um, I have proof of that? No, but I, I, this is highly suspect is all I'll say. Especially with this guy, this UFC fighter that came out that's not even vegan. I mean, that's illustrative of the fact that there is an incentive for people to do this, and it's like it, there there wouldn't be any real motivator for 
somebody who's not vegan come out and heavily promote it unless there's like uh, something in it for them. And it's like, oh, well, there's all these uh, companies now because a lot of our stuff in our culture is, well, just about everything is, is, is um, you know, commercially driven. So you, you, you set up an industry surrounding something that needs to be <clears throat> become the new uh, cultural zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it. You're going to set up an industry around it, make it profitable. And then once people, you know, once that becomes their livelihood, they'll defend it to the end. And then it's like, um, you know, they get going on promote it, promote the supplements, promote the stuff. And it's the latest, greatest thing. And, and then, so you're going to have like a, now that's coming up so that there's a, there's a lot more people that will have a financial incentive to get on board with it. And then it really will start gathering steam. And then you'll really see it. This is this is we're on the precipice of the, of this right now. This is something that's like probably in the next couple of years. I don't know how long, but it's it, you're going to see it just really take off running. It's getting its shoes on right now. It's going to be full sprint before too long. And just looking at like uh, yeah, all these companies that are going on board. You, the Olympic athletes. Yeah, I'm vegan now. I don't eat nothing but plant-based products. And look how it's like it's a total lie, and it doesn't matter because you know we're also postmodern, so you can uh, identify as vegan and eat hamburgers. It's like well, it's just like I can identify as a woman and walk around with penis. Fine. I'm a woman, you know, that's Kate. I'm Caitlin. It's like, wait a minute. It's like, I thought you were, you know, and he goes out and he, what does he race dune buggies and shit, but he's still a woman, but he's male behavior, whatever, but he wears dress and lipstick. So therefore he's a woman. Everybody should call him a woman. So why can't in this climate, somebody say, I'm a strict vegan. I never touch an animal product. How dare you say that I, you know, touch an animal product and then go eat a steak right after. Well, see, I identify as that. And like, yeah, I have this meat craving and stuff. I am a omnivore after all, you know, but, uh, you know, it's just like trannies, you know, it's like, yeah, I, you know, I got, uh, uh, you know, a vagina and, uh, you know, uterus, but, uh, you know, I'm a man. You know, and I, and then they get pregnant, and then it, it, before you know it, Time Magazine saying a man got pregnant. Everybody look, and it's like, well, yeah. So why in this climate you could have vegans that are totally vegan, totally vegan, they're totally vegan, and eat meat. It's just it's it's about their you know they feel that's part of their identity, and they want to identify that, and they want to come out vegan, and they can still eat meat. It's like, you know, that's that's uh, what that UFC fighter does. He's, you know, he's scarfing down fish there and stuff. And it's like, uh, some like I said, some people are upset about it. And, but a lot of people seem to be cool with it and said, well, yeah, okay, maybe it's me, but it's great what he's doing. You know, he's going to save animal lives by at least promoting vegan. And it's like, uh, yeah, that's how people think now. It doesn't, I mean, you could be totally hypocritical and still at the same time be accepted as long as you're on the right talking points and everything. See, but you know, I think you hit on that when you said talking points, Chris, I don't think that's how the normal person thinks. I think that's how the media wants us Mm -hmm. to think the normal person thinks. 
they hyper exaggerate and that's why you're hearing it cuz it's in you know there's youtube's made about it and but no one they don't ever play the video that the guy that's not on the edge you know they don't play the normal video like oh yeah you know i pretend i'm vegan but i I really, I do eat meat sometimes, but only a little bit. And pepperoni, that's not really a meat. And so, you know, I don't, I mean, I see the message is strong, but I don't think the people are the message. Maybe separate the two. You got people on one side, you have the media message on the other. Does that make sense? Think about the celebrity vegan, though. Does that even make any sense as a a person with lots of money and you're just going to, like, Totally, basically, you can't eat anything. That's pretty much how I feel. So Beyonce and Jay-Z went to a vegan restaurant. That was a big deal. And I was just thinking about them actually, like, these celebrity vegans. Like, is that even possible when they have access to the best food in the world? Is that possible? I don't know. I don't think it is, but. I yeah, Well, see, that's another thing, too. It's like, are is there... What is it, Beyonce? She has like an alter persona, and she talks about it like. Uh, well, Star, yeah, Star or something. Sasha Star, Fierce. Uh, Sasha. Star, Sasha Fierce. So Sasha Fierce could be totally meat eating, uh, okay. omnivore, but then Beyonce, the public persona, is vegan. That that can work that way too. Why not? That's We've my alter persona. Right, That's yeah, logic is gone, dude. It's it's freaking gone, dude. So yeah, you could totally be quote unquote vegan and have your your alter identity be you know, cooking cooking burgers on the grill next weekend. So that's but probably- that's Sasha Fierce on the grill. You see? That's not Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like, that sounds yeah, adopt one. Do that. I can be Kham the ham eater on on weekends. People talk to me. I'm like, I'm not K. I'm Kham the ham eater. You know, adopt a personality <laughs> to go with it. Yeah, I'm. I promote the ham only diet. Just ham. Okay, can I eat a ham sandwich, Kay? As long as the bread is made out of ham, yes. Mmm, that sounds good. A ham-ham sandwich. With your ham-based bread. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, it's like uh, you can be that persona and then you could advocate for a certain thing. But see, that's all flexible, too, your, your identity. It's like fluid, like your sexual identity is fluid. You could be, uh, you could be female in the morning and by afternoon you're like, okay, yeah, now I want to put on my big boy pants and be a man for the rest of the afternoon. That's totally acceptable because it's all fluid. So it's like, yeah, I could identify as vegan this week, but we're going to have a pizza party and then there's going to be pepperoni and I'm not going to pick the pepperoni off. Because I'm in my alternate party boy persona That's Friday like, night. Don't you think that that just requires so much self-control? Like, I walk down the street, and I smell this amazing food. Like, I just, 
I mean, I've heard the stories of a drunk vegan who who admitted, like, yeah, I used to get drunk and used to order order pepperoni pizzas and eat them all by myself in the middle of the night. Like, how do you actually hold these vegans to, like, to their standards? I just don't believe that, like, they don't, like, succumb to their cravings, like, late at night or, like, Oh, they do because... Yeah, they have to. Well, they had that guy, uh, he's a celebrity, uh, Jaron uh, Leto, the guy that owns Lookout Mountain. They were interviewing him, and he's like, yeah, I'm, they said, oh, so what is that? How, you know, how's your vegan journey going and all that, your vegan experience? And he's like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, I'm kind of a Cheegan. It's like, what is that? And it's like, oh, a vegan that cheats. It's like, okay, if you're a vegan that cheats, that means a vegan that go that it's not, you're not a vegan, but you're, see, the, the, you just rename what you, you just, yeah, vegan, but I'm kind of a cheegan. So I'm a vegan who eats meat that calls himself a vegan. Oh, see, it's defining, you got to carefully divine, define your terms. It's like the UFC guy just comes out vegan. He doesn't bother with cheegan. He's just a vegan that it eats fish. Muscle meat from an animal. But he's still vegan, so that's okay. That's okay. Thanks, Doctor Phil. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's awesome. That's okay. So, so vegans now eat fish, huh? Is that what we're saying? Okay, that's okay. Doctor Phil. That's all right. That's okay. Thanks, Doctor. So, yeah, you can eat fish and have vegan. Well, what do you what do what is your Rochelle? You got to ask yourself, what are you feeling like today? Do you feel like you're vegan today? Oh God! Tell me Mm. how you feel about that. Well, the way that I feel changes by the hour. So at the moment, no, I don't feel vegan. I feel like I want to eat this homemade shepherd pie, which has beef in it dead cow. That's okay. And that's okay. That's how I feel, too. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Phil. That's... Hey, would you you eat my homemade shepherd's pie? Or nay? Yeah. I would have a plate of it. See, yeah, she would try it, you know, and yeah. And that's okay. That's okay. And that's okay, because it's just one meal, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, right yeah. i'm I'm doing the fruit mostly for healing, you know, because I'm oh, I try to do it, yeah, but you know when that's over i the the idea is you get healthy enough to cheat as much as you want, but still remain healthy. That's the idea, ah, oh, gotcha. yeah, yeah who's good be a fanatic don't don't we all want to enjoy all the delicious foods? Yeah, I mean, that's part of life, you know? I mean, culture, it's food is part of culture, and I think that culture is part of people's livelihood. And so, yeah, you can't, you shouldn't um, limit yourself on, I mean, okay, if you were to leave the country today, would you be eating fruits? And like, if you were to go on a vacation to, you know, the bah- not the Bahamas, but somewhere in the more cultural or whatever, like, um, I don't know if you were to go to Russia or whatever, would you wouldn't you want to try their food and eat like them or would you? Oh yeah, experience? right. I'm gonna to go to Poland yeah. and eat pierogies. Yes, thank you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so food is um a part of culture and 
a part of life, and I think that, um, I guess to to torture yourself with it, I think that's damn, that's that's actually a blessing, I guess, that we were able to do that, huh? That we're able to be like, nah, we don't want to eat that. Like that's just kind of that's that's odd to me, you know. A lot of people don't get to eat <laughs> what they want to eat, yeah. And so yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really funny. I don't, I don't eat that. What do you mean you don't eat this? This is all we have to eat. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. My mother-in-law, she made uh, two things for Thanksgiving. Uh, her one son wanted beef stroganoff, and her five-year-old granddaughter wanted skinny and meatballs. So that was their Thanksgiving. Oh, that's it. So, two, so three people. Eating Thanksgiving. Uh, there was four people. Okay. But and I guess two things. choose the menu. I don't know. So so choose the double menu. Two things, four people. Yeah, because I, I wow. well, she's a one dish lady. Gotcha, no. gotcha. I mean Thanksgiving. Big. Let's let's be honest. Thanksgiving and the holidays completely blow. I mean. Can we all just agree with me on that? I mean, why do we have to do it every fucking year? Like, come on, man. I'm 29. I've done this 29 times. I don't need to do it again. Yeah. I did it. <laughs> I did I'm it today. What I more do you want from me? Sorry, I'm, I'm negative. I'm kidding. I love it. I have a great time. But, no, um, that sounds ideal, though, just four people and two Two big dishes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But, yeah, I I guess it didn't come across that way, but it's like she's making individual people what they want. It's just weird. You know, it's like a buffet. You're having a buffet. But I guess we all do anyway. I just got to get used to that. We're old-fashioned. We do the turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, and we look forward to it, damn it. Did you have a big buffet this year? Heck yeah. It was crazy oh, though. Nice. So how many people? How many people? Only eight. Oh, but Silva, you gotta cook a lot of food for that. That's cool. Yeah, we did cook a lot. My my mama's homemade pumpkin pie. It's delicious. It's custardy because she puts a lot of eggs in it. Can we just maybe debrief what we had for pumpkin for our favorite dish for Thanksgiving. I'm taking over. I'm sorry. Um, only only if you can send me some in the mail, then we can talk about it. Oh, it's delicious. Pumpkin pie and like a envelope. Mm-hmm. That would yeah probably wouldn't work that good. Okay, you had such a wonderful experience that you need a debriefing. Huh? It was so elaborate. It was, and I promise I did all the work. My mom, like, with all these apps, we spend more time preparing the appetizers than the damn meal. Thank you. What did you have for appetizers? Smoked salmon and cream cheese ball surrounded by pine nuts. Oh. Little smokies with barbecue sauce. Whoa. Um, what the Pico de gallo with guacamole and chips. You know, I threw that one in. You had exactly what I had. I'm not even kidding. What? Yeah. Smoked salmon, 
little hummus and chips. Oh my God, yeah. we had hummus too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That's a Portland, Seattle thing, huh? It is Northwestern, yeah. So and chips, only home. Sounds like it, like some kind of regional configuration. Well, go to the store. Doesn't your store have 30 kinds of hummus? Um, wow, only 30. No, we yeah. have about 45. But, yeah. Wow. In Portland. <laughs> yeah, we're straight up. I heard in Seattle, Portland, too, that uh, they have a lot of food banks. And people can go there and get, like, bags of groceries. And the thing about it is, like, they don't sweat you on checking your income or anything. They're just like, yeah, here you go, some groceries. You just walk in and you just get groceries. That's what my neighbor was telling me. He's like a a frugal individual. And he was, like, just going on and about it because he was really excited about it. Yeah, you just go get food. And you don't have to. And it's free. And they have, like, tons of them around in uh, Portland. But you probably Was have to Portland? queue. I mean, you probably got to stand in line. You got to queue. I don't, you know. I and, and do you think if there's some moral hazard with that, there's some moral issue with maybe me standing in line, getting a free bag of food when, I mean, I could get my own food. Is there something wrong? Would there be something wrong about that? I'm asking well, I mean, if you take into consideration how much food goes in the landfill, then that's <laughs> kind of like you're saving it from the landfill is what you're really in actuality doing. <laughs> so it's like... Because I don't contribute to the landfill at all. I never contribute to the landfill. <laughs> you're intercepting stuff that's bound for the landfill, so it's kind of like... <laughs> it's I don't know. Right, gotcha. I don't have a problem. Like I said, I've dumpster dived quite a bit. I went for like a year just kind of dumpster diving on the regular. I kind of went on a kick. And I don't know how much money. I made, a, I think, close to a couple of grand one year selling stuff no. I found in dumpsters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, now Easily. you're... I mean, I wasn't even doing it that diligently. Yeah, you sell, you sell stuff from dumpsters? Excuse me, sir. <laughs> yeah, expired shit. Like, uh, I sell it on eBay. But I put on it, I put on there too. Like I had, like, for example, I went behind big lots and there was like a hundred packages of Neosporin. Uh, it's like some ointment or something. You put it like antibiotic, whatever. And, uh, it was expired. So I said, well, yeah, I could sell this. And so I would just, I, I took it and I put it in envelopes of four, you know, and sold them four for whatever. I forget how I sell. And I made hundred bucks or something, like, you know, clear after shipping and everything. Mm. And it's like, and I put in red letters, this is expired. And people know that that doesn't really mean anything. Like yeah. that, that shit last another probably 10 or 15 years and not be, changed or altered and then i and another thing i did too when i post stuff like that because i found 
coffee and stuff and I, you know, and I put on there that it's expired. And then I put a link to this article where this guy, this doctor is talking about like those expiration dates on medicine or whatever are practically meaningless. So, and sold all of it. That's crazy. Yeah. Anybody listening? I like to pump that out there. Anybody that just needs extra cash or whatever. Like, I mean, this town around, this is a small town, relatively small, 100,000 100, people thereabouts. And uh, you can make money off. See, there's no real competition around here either. I did, I've seen a few people out doing it, but, like, um, not that many people do it. And I found electronics, and I found, like, two brand-new uh, smartphones, in a radio shack. I think that was an intercept. Somebody put them in there that was going to take them home later. And I found them, took them. I, th- I found them in the bottom of the dumpster and I was, I had my truck parked there and the window open halfway. And, and, uh, and I thought, well, there's something out of there I could, you know, use It's probably just some junk phone or whatever. And I threw a, I threw it, I threw one and it hit the side and it fell on the ground. And then like, I, you know, I just threw it in my truck. I was just rough handling them. And then I and I got home and looked up what they were and like the one was like three hundred dollar phone, the other was like a four four something. And I sold them both. I think I ended up like six hundred dollars, something like that. Just you know, one I'm of those. I'm a hustler. I'm a I'm a hustler, homie. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. You hustle. And uh, I've left stuff in dumpsters and went and looked it up later, and it's like, oh my gosh, I should have got that. That was I just leave several hundred dollars one time in there. It was like these uh, pool pool cleaning things that it, they were uh, looked like they just needed a replacement part, and I could have sold those. I probably could even sold them as is because they were going for like four or five hundred dollars a piece online. And there was, but the thing about it is like, oh, how do you know you're going to sell a used one? I know I'll sell a used one because there wasn't any used options available. So if I put a good description and I put, hey, this is used and, you know, it's as is, people will buy it because they, they want to, you know, something that's cheaper than, you know, paying $400 and still works. They throw stuff at the dumpster all the time. It's still perfectly functional. It's just, you know it's overstock inventory or whatever, and they don't want to dink around with it. It's some old model or something that they don't want to uh, mess with and they throw it in the dumpster. And it's like, if you intercept that man, it's, if it's a high dollar item, you turn around and sell it. It's like uh, all kinds of stuff. I can't even remember all the different stuff. Brand new electronics and boxes is what I'm saying. Oh, then you find tape, you find just useful household odds and ends items, stuff too. I found tons of stuff like that. Just stuff that I still have around the house that I still use. But that's an interesting component of the whole vegan debate, like what's ethical and what's not. It's like actually freegans have it pretty nailed down in that category because they're intercepting stuff out of the dumpsters, food or whatever, meat, whatever it happens to be. It's like, well, that if it's bound for the landfill and you're eating off of that, then 
you're the most ethical of all, if that's what you're going to. So it's like, yeah, you got somebody preaching to you about veganism. It's like, ah, oh, how come you're not vegan? That's more ethical, don't you know? Because it's all about ethics. But it's like, uh, I don't know. Oh, look, Richard's on here. Didn't see you on there, man. Check one, two. What's going on? Oh, how's it going? Good, man. Yeah. Good to have you on. Yeah. Enjoying your... your, Well, I was definitely enjoying your your dumpster diving tale. (laughs) Have you ever went dumpster diving? Yeah, quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah, back in the day, I used to go a lot. Usually you're a dumpster diver enthusiast. Yeah, dude, it's addictive, huh? Like, you get hooked on it. Because it's like a mystery... You can go out some nights and not find nothing, but then it's like, with me, it was like, uh, it was either really good or really just zero, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's, and it, and it doesn't, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out any discernible pattern, really. It's just really uh-huh. random. So it's like, you don't know what you're going to find, when you're going to find it, really. You kind of have have an idea when the dumpster the the trash men come and take the dumpsters, but other than that, it's really random. Right. From my yeah yeah I most of the dumpster diving I've done was for food really like it was you know behind um, Seven Eleven back in in New York they they uh. They they were all well not all I shouldn't say all but a lot of the Seven Elevens back there were really sure bets for for food like you go after midnight that's when they'll get rid you know not not every night but every few nights like they kind of cycle through their sandwiches and uh, different you know things like that their fresh foods or whatever you want to call it that they have yeah and uh, yeah so I used to go there a lot. And different bagel sh- shops and pizza places and uh, and like yeah, it was a pretty regular thing. Like especially once you get to like learn all the different spots that are, you know, that, that it's a normal thing. It was yeah, it was you get pretty... your routes, huh? <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, once you just... get you could be out and about maybe doing something else, and then you're like, oh, I'll just bust my route real quick, and then you go, you know, I had a whole thing routine thing where I would I, I'd go up certain streets. I knew where dumpsters were and all that. And I had my uh had my good dumpsters. You get you get you get dumps you get to know these dumpsters and it's like you, you, sometimes like you'll you, you got a dumpster that's like a real rare to find anything in it. But it's but like when you do find something in it, it's like something that you use like sometimes right. you pass that dumpster up just because you don't want to mess with it. But then it's like You'll like when you get something out of that one. It's like it's like kind of special because it's like it, it's yeah. Your, yeah stuff like that. It's, it's yeah it's it's fun. I mean it's fun. It's like a it's free to do it. Well, you got to pay for gas, but to drive. Yeah. Around. Well. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, I guess it depends on where you live, but uh, um, where was was in. Indianapolis, a friend of mine who lives out there, this was years ago now, but, like, we were just walking around. It was my first time out there, and 
just you know certain areas you can just walk around and 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 find a lot of plentiful dumpsters <laughs> but yeah and that that oh, was man. maybe one of the only times i was was ever involved in dumpster diving where there was something other than food like and that was i think it was a thrift store actually so uh, and there was a lot of stuff like back there um all kinds of random stuff um well, like I said, yeah, most of mine is for food. <laughs> yeah, you Even, can find a lot of food, man. Like, uh, uh, yeah. I was going to say, too, like, uh, it's, you know, certain places are pretty good. So one time driving down to Virginia, um, my friend's car, like, broke down, and we were stuck, and there was a few of us and stuff, and we ended up in Aberdeen, Maryland, just pretty in the oh, middle yeah. of nowhere. Yeah, pretty in the middle of nowhere place. Not much going on, but there was like, oh, we ended up getting a hotel, and um, you know how like hotels usually there's a couple places to eat nearby. Um, so w- w- yeah, I went down. We went down. A couple of us went down to I think it was a, Domino, a Domino's Pizza or something like that. And yep, sure enough, there was like three or four pizzas right behind the dumpster. Yeah, so it's like, you know, certain places, like, that, that are chains and things like that, like, seem to often, you know, be pretty sure bets, that type of thing. Yeah, you could kind of incorporate it into your daily activities, too, so that, like, uh, I was doing this for a while. Like, I would go to a store to get something, but I would check to make sure it wasn't there wasn't one in the dumpster first. <laughs> yeah. And I drive back around and park and go inside. And, uh, no, I never did. That, that's not gonna. You're not gonna like find something in the dumpster specifically that you went to the store to get. But like, I'd find other something uh something else I could probably use. But yeah, it just, yeah. I got to where I don't do it much anymore. But like, uh, yeah, you start getting into these kind of routines, and then it it like. Uh, yeah, my my issue with it is like um I'll end up like getting stuff and then like I'll intend to sell it. It'll be something that I know I can sell, but then like uh I'll be accumulating too much shit in my house and I don't have a place for like uh but it's a profitable little side deal, man. Especially like if you're tight on cash and golly, like you get um uh, couple hundred dollars on a dumpster dive run that's not too unusual you get a couple hundred dollars worth of items to sell Uh, that's pretty awesome uh, how many hours would you say you if you were going out like that was your intent like uh you spend like a couple hours doing it and, and and dig up that much stuff to to make that much or like what is the time frame about oh yeah it depends on how many because you know you could hit all the dumpsters on your route or just a few when you're out and about, but uh, I would go out for about maybe two hours or something. Yeah. That's pretty cool then. So if you figure, you know, a few hours plus, you know, a little time for selling it and shipping it or whatever, sounds like, you know, sounds like pretty good money really. Yeah. Bun Hulk saying he's he's got he's networked in on the fifty cent coffee at the 
Yeah, and then you hit the dumpster behind the deal. Yeah, there's these, uh, yeah, the culture out there. Uh, I guess free, they free, call them freegans or whatever, some name for it, but it doesn't matter. But yeah, like, yeah, I get the free hookups that are out and about because we kind of yeah. got this uh, plentiful industrialized economy of scale where everything is kind of produced cheap, cheaply, but. A lot of stuff goes in the dumpster to the landfill. Hey, you know what's interesting uh, though? Um, I mean, what I've one thing I've noticed, and I guess my dumpster diving when I moved out to Arizona, it kind of stopped. Like summertime, especially out here, is not the best time for finding food in dumpsters. And yeah, and then also what I noticed out here was uh, a lot of places have their dumpsters locked up, like, so you can't really get in. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, that's another thing, too, the dumpster, yeah. dumpster locks. Yeah. yeah. Which, I, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's just, I don't know, it's stupid. I guess it's, what do they try to say, lawsuits or people fall asleep in dumpsters? There's a few excuses they have for it for why they do that but uh, yeah probably... i think i think the main concern is like the getting that stuff back out into the economy money yeah exactly like, yeah. yeah money or it doesn't need to be back out in the economy people dump because i know a lot of people just roll up to some random dumpsters with a bunch of shit and drop off some house trash oh yeah yeah you can score That's on true. that too People yeah. will clean out. Uh, I found one dumpster. Somebody had done that. They'd come and they cleaned out their shed and do everything in the dumpster. And there was all kinds of shit in there, like garden tools and uh, this really good quality stuff, like high quality stuff. It was like gardening tools. It was uh, like this little, this little uh, galvanized metal little table. Just a bunch of stuff. I I just pulled out of there off of that hall, and it was like I still got a lot of that stuff it's just you know you'll yeah you'll see that too like people will dump an entire storage shit and just to like dump there'll be all kinds of shit in there yeah yeah that's true we'll do dump stuff in dumpsters <laughs> yeah i got a good quality stuff out of them too i'm talking like higher end stuff like you know oh, yeah. cookware whatever it's like high quality i found some uh whole crap ton of uh what's that stuff called pyrex that that high dollar cooking pans and all that they're glass like some kind of glass oh. like yeah glass. yeah they're glass cookware yeah. yeah the college was uh redoing their cafeteria and they and i guess man they throw all their equipment and everything away it was like i, I looked in that dumpster and i was like you gotta be kidding, man. There's like, and everything in there was like perfectly good, high high quality, like industrial stuff. Like it was like I could get. I got a lot of noise online. Somebody is. Is that better? Or, I don't know if it's me. Yeah, I'm yeah, that's, that's better. Oh, you're walking. Yeah, you're. <laughs> Your mic is scraping up against your collar or something like that. Sounds like uh, one second. 
Here we take the family, take the family out dumpster dive, and it's a family uh, <laughs> thing too. Is that is like, that better? Or still. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't hear that anymore. Okay, cool. Like, uh, yeah, my uh, brother and my sister-in-law and his stuff come down. So it's like, yeah, you guys want to go hit, hit dumpsters? <laughs> and uh, my sister-in-law, she gets a big kick out of it. I, I don't know what it is about it with her, like, she, but she gets a big kick out of it. Like, it's a, it's, it's like really funny to her. But like, um, it's it's I it's it kind of stays because every time I've uh, took my brother out, we never find anything. So he's kind of like jinxes it or something. I don't know. It's like he's a and like a yeah. But I've, I haven't been in a long time. Like um, so like he so then you get the you can get the impression too. Like you can go start doing it and then like the first couple of times out not find anything and then you get the impression that like oh this is waste of time it's kind of like something you gotta you gotta kind of hang with it but i mean i don't know you could have beginner's luck and just freaking cash in on the first go around now there's all these you know what now there's all these youtube videos of dumpster divers and stuff that's funny like uh it's it's a it's a whole another genre yeah like those youtube videos I, I ran across that not too long ago. It's like they're showing all their dumpster dive scores and uh they'll take you into the dumpster and show you inside what's in there. And like uh yeah, making money, hustling. It's a hustle, it's a good hustle. It's like uh especially if you get networked into your local flea markets and your and your, you know, Local people around antique stores and all that. Are these, and then, getting, uh, are these people getting harassed by the police? Because there's a lot of people who oh, yeah, scrapping yeah. around here, you know, just you know, finding random washers and dryers and shit and taking them and recycling them. But they're always getting hassled by the police. I've never been. I it's usually security guards that come hassle me, but I, it's like. Um, I just tell them, yeah, I'm just looking for stuff in the dumpster, man, whatever. And he's like, yeah, we don't really want people back here. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. I'll be done here in a minute. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah, whatever, dude. It's like, yeah, it's like, uh, then you just, you know, keep an eye out. And then uh, you, you just don't want them to catch you multiple times in a row. They might get tweaked about it. But... It's not even an issue, really, for me. I haven't had any... I've never had a cop say anything to me. And another thing, too, I'll do it, like, brazenly brazenly out in the open, like, uh, in the middle of the day, and go in a dumpster, just dive in there. And when you're doing that, it's like nobody says anything, because there's, like, this cultural, I guess, tab. It's kind of a... Like, what is this guy doing? It's like... Well, you must have a good reason to be in there. Yeah, if you you pretend like you're supposed to be there, everybody just assumes it's all cool. Yeah, lost something. Like uh, an important seat or something. Like, uh, yeah, you just go in there like you are just, you know, with a mission. Down boy. Down, Down boy. 
<laughs> yeah, damn dog. Okay, I bet she's got some some excellent dumpster diving opportunities in Seattle. No, you know the best place? New York. Oh, my God. So we lived in New York for about three years. Um, oh, yeah. Queens up near Flushing. So it was a pretty decent neighborhood. It was in a pretty nice apartment complex. And so people didn't throw stuff away. If they thought it could be reused, they would set it beside the dumpster. Mm, yeah. Oh, my God. We got the yeah, best toys. We got Barbie dolls, My Little Ponies, little little kitchen sets for you. You run little plastic fruit across the scanner and it beeps. A little grocery scanner, a little kid one. I mean, the kitchenette set, little kid. They just leave everything out there. And having not much money, it was a dream. We couldn't wait. I taught my kids how to dumpster dive. They're really good at it. Mm. So, yeah, Chris, New York and the food, when they put food in the garbage, they put it in nicely. So when they set it out at the street at night, it can be retrieved. I mean, the workers do that because they're like, oh, we're so throwing it out. I mean, why not? Consciousness around it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I've heard about that, too. I was watching some deal of these dudes in New York. They were in New York City dumpster diving, and they were getting this food that was out of these um, high-dollar places, and it was like, dang, man, that stuff looks good. And it was all packaged, but it was in a bag, you know, somebody, and they stuck it in there, yeah, so people, they knew that they would be by to get it. And it was like, yeah, they're throwing it away. And, and um, yeah, there's a whole, uh, yeah, you could totally live out of the dumpster. It's easy if you're just needing food out of there in certain areas. I, 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 I definitely I would have, have a hard time around here. I have friends that probably most, you know, like most of their meals for a long period of time came with dumpsters for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like there's, yeah, there's people doing that. Like they probably maybe eat pretty much most of their food. They're getting out of dumpsters. And and I'm talking like uh, I've seen people. They they they'll hit like the Whole Foods or they'll hit the you know and they got the organic food. They got the whole the you know everything organic and it's like uh, chowing down. Perfectly good food. Nothing wrong with it. It's just you know waste. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. So it's like yeah, abundance of food in our society, but then. What really pisses me off about it is that the fact that there's probably like kids that do like have to skip meals or, you know, they're in these households that like, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not saying anybody. The adults are too lazy to go out and jump in the dumpster and get some dinner. Or yeah, or they're just kind of maybe on food stamps or money's real tight and they're just kind of like cutting, you know, cutting corners on what food they buy. That's a, that's a disgrace, man. Yeah. Uh, that's a bad situation. It's like, uh, yeah, they're having to get, you know, low quality food cause they get, they have to make their food budget stretch. And it's like, yep. uh, yeah, if they were hip to the dumpster scene, they could supplement at least, you know, and, and, uh, but see, there's this, um, kind of uh, stigma about it, you know? Oh, you're digging oh, in the trash. Sure. I had people, like, scream at me, like, get out of the trash. <laughs> <I was> like, 
Okay. Uh, you see what's in there? Uh, yeah. Do you yell back anything at him? Like, fuck off, man. <laughs> no, I just go about my business. Like, I well, belong. That's is, where I, I'm working. You know, like, you know, uh, it'd be like if I was digging a pothole, a construction worker, with my safety vest on, and somebody screams at me, I'm... I'm freaking working. I'm not. I don't. I'm not going to stop and yell back or nothing. I'm fucking busy. I'm, I'm fucking making money. You know what I mean? It's like you're. You just go in there and you're just doing it. You know. Get focused in on it and shit. You know, like uh, here's the question though for somebody that takes that attitude. It's like, all right, I got a question for you. You're walking down the street and there's a dumpster. Like, say you're taking a shortcut through an alley. You see a $100 bill sitting right there on the top, maybe in a box or something. Are you going to reach in that fucking dumpster and pull that $100 bill out? Hell no, yeah. Man, you leave it. You're going to leave it in there. You're telling me you're not going to dig the trash nope, for $100 I don't want to get my hands dirty. You damn skippy, they'll get that $100 bill. And they're lying if they say they would. Okay, the question is, I mean? how dirty would you get your hands for $100? And on whom? Well, you just did a, you just set up a plot for a YouTube video. Like, how dirty can a hundred dollar bill be? Like, you could put it on the street and like put a dog turd on it. How many people will scrape the dog crap off of it and take it? Like, it's a dollar bill. For like, they sake. have to lift it up and the dog crap like sticks to it, so they have to find a stick to scrape it off. Like that bad? Yeah, you're going to put a wet dookie on there. Like it's going to saturate. <laughs> Make sure they eat a lot of grains first so it's all sticky. <laughs> yeah. It's going to cling to the... It's going to take effort to get that dookie off. Or a homeless and man kinda... like vomited on half of it. And he's laying there yeah, and there's like... vomit from his mouth to half the $100 bill. Would someone come up and take that hundred dollar bill. Would you, Chris? And you, you do it in Beverly Hills or something like that. Put it on the street with a dog turd on it. That's like, uh, oh, would I? Oh, yeah, I'm not that squeamish. It wouldn't bother me at all, or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I think. Uh, it, it might depend on the situation for me. Like, uh, if somebody, I don't know, <laughs> am I literally just walking by, or is somebody putting, trying to put up, like, put out a, I don't know, a dare or a challenge, or, or I don't know, just make a thing about it, like, to to make fun of the person essentially that is trying to get the hundred dollar bill with shit on it. <laughs> In that situation, I don't know. I might just keep walking, you know what I mean? But um, Yeah, you yeah. know something was up with that. No, no, you wouldn't. No way. You, no way. You, cause you know why? You're not thinking, frick, looking around. Once you see that, you're going to be looking around. You're going to look at that and go, oh, my God, is that $100 of shit on it? There's no way you're going to be thinking your trick. You'll be looking around maybe to see, is anyone pick this or up? So- or if somebody is being more blatant about it and actually proposing it, you know, oh, here, $100 bill, if you want to take it out of the pile of uh, what shit, here, it's all yours. Uh, yeah. I might pass on Yeah, that. like, uh, 
Yeah, get a napkin or something, stick it in there, rinse it off in the sink when you get home. Yeah, hit it with some uh, essential oils. Hit <laughs> it up with some oregano oil. Yeah. Oregano oil, yeah. Hit it real good with that. Um, yeah, put it in your wallet, spin it, man. But um, I want to know if Rochelle has ever dumpster dived, dove in, dumpster dived, dove in. I don't know. She dropped off. Oh, you know, I was gonna. I, 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 uh, I do have one instance where I got food poisoning, but only one out of what I would say was must have been hundreds of times. So that's pretty good, I think. <laughs> Not too bad. Food poisoning from the from the dumpster proceeds. Yeah, they were um they were zeppelins. You know what zeppelins are? Like little, um, uh, they're like these little Italian like pastry bread things. They've got like powdered sugar on them and stuff. And, oh um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I got I I I ate some of those, and it was like as I was eating it, I knew it was it was like I realized something wasn't right. They were kind of soggy. They, they were like, they, I mean, they were definitely so, and in the dumpster, so you'd expect them to be somewhat soggy. But anyway, yeah, by the next day I was feeling ill. Yeah, you got to kind of be a little bit cautious on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, every other time is successful. So, you know, one, one right, bad yeah, time, that's not so bad. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, one of the... Yeah, but it's a trade-off, yeah. But, uh, I got sick of... Something I bought from the grocery store one time, so it's kind of like yeah, that doesn't guarantee that if you pay for it in the grocery store that it's you're not going to get sick. So exactly, yeah. that. And I got really sick. I got food poisoning. I never had food poisoning before, but it was uh, tuna in a tuna pouch, you know, like they sell in the. Oh pouch. yeah, yeah. It was uh, yeah, it was tainted, man. Tainted. Never for radiation. Yeah, they need to radiate. <laughs> nuclear tuna. Nuclear tuna. That sounds like a good name uh, for a band. Fukushima tuna. Tuna tuna. Or Fukushima tuna tuna. <laughs> yeah, radioactive rock. Good. Um, that's the closing up shop. All right, man. Have a good night. All right, thank you. Appreciate you calling in, man. And Kay, thanks for calling in. There in Port uh, Pacific Northwest. Yeah, we had John calling in. Thanks, man. And Nate, thanks a lot, man. And uh, Rochelle, thanks a lot for calling in. Check out HoaxBuckingCall.com.
check out your local dumpsters. Wear safety shoes, some heavy-duty boots that because uh, you might step on something. Wear gloves. Don't inhale anything that comes up when you're stepping on maybe a fluorescent bulb. Don't inhale that crap. Safety first. Got to do, to do, do, to do. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.